Dobrodag s tátom ti. Welcome to the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. I'm your host, Jason Dubray. And on this uh, special show, uh, we're going to have Scott Lehman join us. So this will be his second time on the show. And he's responsible uh, in many ways for at least uh, our version of the 31 Days of Horror, which is supposed to be kind of, I think, just a celebration of horror movies during the month of October, but turned into some strange competition between us. Between the two of us, we watched 98 and a half movies in the month of October. Yeah, I guess that's that's the math. I mean, to the listeners, they're probably where does that half come in? But maybe we'll explain that later. But I, I just thought it'd be kind of fun because we were just kind of going back and forth all month long to have a little bit of a, a wrap up of this. I still have this whole series of shows I'm going to do. I've released three of them, and there'll yeah. be several more that I'll kind of pepper throughout the year, I think. Hopefully I'll get them all released before next October or else it won't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, where I where I just kind of take five at a time and I and I kind of talk about them and kind of review them like I would with a kind of a normal show here. But I thought since it's fresh in our minds here, the challenge would be for us to take uh, the rather large amount of movies that we saw during that month and try to create our kind of our our 10 favorites uh, or our top 10. And we were talking just before recording about this, that I think we're kind of, it, it'll be a mix of some classics, I'm sure being mentioned, but there's also some kind of new discoveries. And that's what I found to be the, the most fun part of this exercise. But initially, believe it or not, I only thought you were supposed to watch one movie a day. And well, then initially. It was several movies that, that you're watching double features or triple features. And the idea was to collect as many movies as possible. And then I thought, I can do this. And I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't intend to watch 50 movies like I did, but that's right. what happened in the end. So Yeah, you, you nailed it for a, for a first time uh, go at it, especially, I know this, uh, the, the idea used to be, you'd try and watch at least 31 and it was one a day. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'd miss a day, catch up the next or watch two on a weekend when life was a little bit busier. October's used to be busier for me when I had both kids in hockey and you know, yeah. there's, there's hockey on TV combating with my time for movies. And then I played in a beer league as well. So, and that had to work, you know, so you have to sleep sometimes too. So it became tough and I would top out about 17 in a, in a month. And that was a big, you know, I'd always tried to push for it. Then, uh, you know, a handful of years ago, I got to 31 and I was really impressed and excited about that. And I thought, well, and then the next year I got 33 and or 35, whatever it was, like the odd time you'd fit two on a Saturday. So it became then, you know, I, there's another friend I know he does the same thing and then he's hitting, you know, 40, 50. I'm like, holy cow. Wow. So then it turned out, all right, I got to try this. And then last year I, I did 40 and I thought, wow, that's pretty good. I wonder if I'll be able to do that again and then beat it this year. But yeah, the point is to watch one a day, but uh, we're doing based on themes. It's kind of neat sometimes to do a double feature on, on the same theme or something. So uh, it kind of works out that way. Uh, did you have thoughts on uh, how that went for you? Did you get kind of uh, in a it dark did. place at the end of the month? <laughs> I'm not trying to go to a dark place. <laughs> I I think there was a day or two there. I, I, I even, because I was posting this, all month long, I just thought on Instagram and and Facebook and everything else. Uh, I think people got sick of seeing me post all these movies. I had people at work like, "How do you have the time? What are you? How how do you do this?" But yeah. you know, I guess it's my the life I lead. I don't have children, so I guess I'm able to 
you know, come back, come home from work and be able to watch two or three movies at a go there. The weekends were certainly easier to be able to, uh, to get caught up. But there's, there was a one Monday though, where I did a triple feature. I just, I didn't, On a Monday. Think I was, I was just aiming to watch one movie and I had lots of energy that, that day for some reason. So. And, and like uh, I mentioned before, I, I ended up getting more time to myself too, because now my kids aren't in hockey and, and no, I haven't been playing plus I'm working at home. So I don't have to, you know, have that travel to work and stuff. Yeah. So definitely a lot more, uh, a lot more free time this year. So I'm, I'm not going to try and beat this number next year. It's just, <laughs> but it basically it's a fun excuse for my wife to let me watch horror movies all month. So then I yeah. got to make it up to her. I, um, yeah, it's certainly fun with it, but yeah, there was a point where I, I, I said, no, that I just, I went to the movie theater and saw, uh, um, no time to die the bond film. Yeah. And it just felt like I need a break from the genre a little bit in that night. So, and there was, a, there was a certain point towards the end when I kind of thought I don't need to go for five movies in the last day here. I think you kind of the night before conceded. <laughs> yeah, I totally, competition uh, or friendly competition we were having there. So. Well, it wasn't going to be a competition until I started seeing you really push the numbers. I thought, okay, I got to keep up now. If, if he's going to do it, I got to. I, I totally had, I called it a horror hangover on November 1st, oh, where I, I just felt like, I felt like it was a real hangover, but all, I just, I don't want to watch a movie for like, you know, when you're like, I'm never going to drink again. It's kind of like, I'm never watching another movie again. I took seven yeah. days off of watching movies. I watched a movie last uh, on Sunday with my daughter, and that was the first movie I watched. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to watch a movie tonight. I'm, re I'm ready to start back again. <laughs> it was funny. I didn't, I didn't wait long to watch a movie, but a horror movie. I think I waited a, a glorified three days. And then I yeah. watched, uh, even though the the addiction is kind of in a different type of horror movie than some of the ones we were looking at during the month there. Well, are you ready to get into sure for the list? Anything else you want to say is as far as an introduction? Uh, I think I'm similar to you. I'm just looking at the ones I wanted to point out, and I think uh, well, let's see, I think six of my ten uh, were first time watches for me. Um, so I'm also a mix of you know new finds and uh, and some old favorites as well. And they're not necessarily maybe all the best movies I watched in the month because there was a lot to choose from, but just kind of the ten that really uh, I guess stood out for me. And I had uh, a little bit more fun with, or just really enjoyed, or whatever reason. Yeah. But that's about it. There's some days where there's some pre pretty heavy movies, and so watching some of the fun ones kind of that that helped balance things out a little bit. I think if it had all been super heavy, gruesome horror movies, then I probably would have reached the end of the month, and like you said, felt kind of whatever. But there were enough fun ones and a few horror comedies in there to kind of make it uh, yeah. balance it out. But as our friend uh, Larry Parsons says, uh, movies is his sport. And this was like a <laughs> somehow a sports thing happened here with movies. So that's, uh, I, yeah, I don't I'd... know who approves of that or not. But <laughs> no, I, I get it. Yeah, it's kind of sure it makes sense. And, and doing it based on kind of a random theme for each day. For me, you know, if I, I have kind of a silly horror collection. So rather than just stare at the wall or scroll through streaming things yeah. all for two hours trying to find something, at least this sort of narrowed it down a little bit and say, okay, I have to do something based on this or starring this person or made in this year. So for me, it's sort of, uh, it takes, helps me make something a little bit faster too. And how many years have you done this? I should probably get that in before we start. Oh, I'm doing, well, this, this is the only time I've done like um, a calendar based on like a theme, like, oh. uh, like day one is zombie movie, day two is vampire, whatever, something like that. Uh, before it was just always whatever the mood hit me. So uh, I would just watch just horror movies uh, for the month. 
and then last year I, you know, I started looking at other people doing these calendars or themes and, and I thought, well, I, should, I want to do something like that. And then the whole year builds up to, you know, this drum roll in my head as I'm <laughs> doing this draw with my wife making the calendar, but. Well, it helped. And I, I, I follow the themes every day. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So thank you for organizing it. And uh, thanks for also coming back on the show so we can talk about uh, celebrate. I'm calling this the best of the 31 days of horror. So. Okay, right on. So start off with number 10 and you are the guest. You get to go first. What was your 10th favorite? Okay. Well, uh, for that one, I'll start with, uh, and I, I put this list together pretty quick. There wasn't a ton of thought put into it. I think you mentioned it too. I just thought I wrote down the first ones that came to my head and there happened to be 15. And so I said, all right, I'll pick 10 off there. And the, the one that started my month off was uh, Eli Roth's Cabin Fever. Okay. That's that's where I started my October. And uh, that I'm going to put at number 10. You know when you've known someone a long time and you just want to kiss them just to see if they're a good kisser or not? There's nothing wrong with that, right? Stay. I feel nauseous. <laughs> What's well, not funny? Can you help me? No, 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 no. She's not coming near me! You're cross-talk! You guys gonna kill each other now? You don't look so hot. Help me. I need, need a doctor. I don't want to get sick. I don't want any of us getting sick. We just don't want to get it. Ah! I see what we got here right now. He's coming towards us. All right, back off. He looked like he was skinned alive. The party man. Is it safe? Don't worry, I'm healthy. Leave us alone! Somebody help! I'm burning! I know okay. a, a lot of people don't really enjoy it, but I, I love the hell out of that movie. I just find it, uh, I, I almost forgot how much fun I had with it. There's just, there's nods. It's made by a horror fan and you can feel that. There's just nods to uh, so many other films and camera angles or just uh, kind of little Easter eggs that you can pick up along the way. And it's uh, it's gory and it's it's silly and uh, <laughs> it's not for everybody, but I really like Cabin Fever. It was one of the ones I watched for the body horror day. I know you, you chose oh, right, it day and believe it or not i hadn't seen it it did it, 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 i've gone all these years and it was my first time watching it i think i still need some time with it maybe i need to revisit it i really like the setup yeah but then i don't know I, I i started to have some trouble and i think this is a bit of a problem i have with eli roth in general that i like his setup for his movies but then when we kind of get you know towards the end of it, it it just goes in in directions and i find myself either kind of not enjoying it or or it, for some reason maybe i was tired when i watched this i i found myself a little bit bored in the third act oh really um, yeah then they have that kind of unusual curtain call piece there at at the end there's something kind of clever about that but i think that was him kind of having some fun with some things i you know it's a, it's a good choice and i i remember you mentioning that you that's a real personal movie for you and yeah. eli roth he's he's been producing some pretty interesting stuff he's kind of part of that generation of filmmakers who was influenced by so many of the horror movies that we grew up with yeah and it's it's definitely well it's his first directorial film i believe right and believe so it, it, it it is a little bit uh, it is a little bit all over the place after something there's maybe not as much focus as maybe he got later on uh, as he's figuring things out. But I saw that quite early on when it was released initially. 
and uh and i kind of that part of it sort of spoke to me a little bit i kind of liked how it was a little bit of this a little bit of that uh you know it's a movie about this deadly flesh-eating virus and you know not to spoil anything about people die in it but i don't believe anybody actually dies as a result of this virus it's you know other things yes. that cause uh, everyone right. to eventually meet their end and I, there there's times where it's full-on hilarious and there's times where it's it's full-on gross and it's not very politically correct you're right there are oh. some scenes where you know he gets away with a little bit of uh you know certain phrases that you don't normally say on podcasts like but uh, <laughs> but the payoff uh is like that is so clever that is i mean maybe a little bit too clever but uh, you're talking it, about the the rifle that's for sale at the store or yeah you know? and yeah. that's introduced early in the film and then we have all the stuff happen and then it's referenced kind of again at, at the end there so i i like that touch and i i do tend to like these remote horror pieces as well and one set in these small southern towns so i i think i need to give it another go i give it a bit of time and uh, check it out again but certainly certainly it's one yeah, you got to be in the right mood for it, for sure. I can yeah. see that. Um, I was maybe tired. I mean, that was <laughs> I, I was okay most nights, but I think that was one where I was uh, trying to get it in, and that maybe it had been a more exhausting work day. Or, yeah. And for me, starting off the month with a one that I find fun like that, um, I, I finished that. I was smiling, and I thought this is gonna be a good month, and I, it, right. I just eased into the next thirty days uh, easily after that. Uh, one thing I noticed: there's a scene early on when they're driving in the truck and they're playing music on the radio, and immediately I hit this cue saying that's the song from last house on the left which was another movie i watched later that month and uh, you know and just that and there's a camera angle that's straight out of texas chainsaw massacre yeah. there's a, a dawn of the dead tribute scene and yeah. uh I, I just loved all that stuff they have evil dead in there too i it's oh, just yeah. not not completely but i don't know maybe, maybe it's just the remote cabin always makes me think of uh, evil dead <laughs> even though that wasn't maybe the first one to use that idea so my number 10 is a movie uh, directed by David Cope. Fairly recent one, 2020, I believe. You should have left. Come away with me. If I don't get out of here for a while, I think I'm going to go nuts. I love you so much. It's just the three of us. Just you and me and Ella. Daddy, because we're old, you'll die before mommy, right? Hey, not that old. It's so beautiful! Wow. I love this. Wait. Listen. Be quiet. Hey. There was a shadow on the wall. I know it's fun, but it's time to sleep. Good night, honey. Jesus, you got enough switches? Does this wall look right to you? What are you doing? 26 feet. 21. This room is five feet longer on the inside than it is on the outside. How does that work? It doesn't. Anything happened yet? You chose this place, not me. You sent me the link. I absolutely did not. You sent it to me. Somebody wrote in my journal. Do you like it here? No. Do you? I hate it.
different house before that one. What sort of house? Why do people hate Daddy so much? The judge and the jury all found him innocent, but some people didn't believe him. The house chose me. You must be guilty of something. People have always stayed in that house. Ella! Some don't leave. Wake up! It's a dream! The right ones usually find the place. Or maybe it's the other way around. The place finds them. This was on the Kevin Bacon themed day. And it's about Kevin Bacon, who has a bit of a past. And he's a little bit older. And he's married to this young actress, played by Amanda Seyfried. And uh, they take their child on a holiday, kind of just before she's going to be shooting in London, to Wales. And they end up in this very unusual vacation home, which has uh, seems like somebody is living in there. And it's a real mind-bending film in some ways uh, that I, I really enjoyed. I had, unfortunately, I'd heard some negative things about this movie. Uh, certainly, and very soon, I'm going to be reviewing um, with Larry, actually, Stir of Echoes from back in 99 when Kevin Bacon and David Cope made made that film together, collaborated on that one. Which and was, was the one, that's that's the one I watched on Kevin Bacon Day, just as a so You watched question. it on Kevin Bacon. And I, yeah. intentionally, because I was going to be reviewing it already for an upcoming episode, I, I chose to go with something else and something I hadn't seen. So I, it's, I, I'll, I'll admit it's not as good as Stir of Echoes. But I don't think it's a bad movie. And in fact, I mean, the acting is good. I don't think Kevin Bacon doesn't typically give bad performances. And I, I like it when he's playing these kind of these fathers who don't know what to do and have are very flawed in some ways and go into kind of an mm. obsessive place. And Amanda Seyfried, same year as she got her Oscar nomination for the David Fincher movie Mank. I actually think she's better in this than she is in Mank. So uh, if you're interested in kind of a you know, a, a bit of an interesting take on a haunted house, but it also has a bit of a time shift piece to it. I think this is one that I had on there that I, I kept thinking about from the days after I watched it and I still really enjoy it. Well, I, I have not seen it, so I, I can't uh, can't comment personally on it, but based on what you're saying, I should uh, put it down as a to, to watch. Yeah, it's, I don't know how easy it is to get a copy of it. I, I watched it on Crave. I don't know if you have Crave. Okay. Uh, as, as, as evil as the streaming services are, I ended up having to watch a lot of the movies. <laughs> past month on streaming services so uh, they can yeah, definitely I, be handy I'd, I'd go for it i'd be interested in your opinion on that one i do like that kevin bacon now and then does dip his toes back into uh into these kinds of films where you've got to start with friday the 13th and he's he doesn't i don't think like to acknowledge that too much but but he does come back every now and then and do the odd ghost movie or a giant sandworm or yeah <laughs> Flatliners. Um, he, he's really good in in darker films. I think. But yeah. I, I I like him in, in in other things too. And he's just he's had a long career, and it's I'll always be willing to watch whatever, even if it's not the best thing. I, I'm always happy to watch one of his films. So I was glad to see there was a Kevin Bacon date. Amanda Seyfried's very mm -hmm. very good too. And they do deal with initially like they're a couple. Uh, there's got to be a, an age difference here because she used to be like age roles not that long ago and Bacon been around forever but they do that is kind of part of the the plot the the age difference between the two of them and they uh they use that well so what's your number nine Number nine was the first time I had watched it. Finally, it's one I wanted to get around to. It was on Mike Flanagan Day, and so I watched his uh, Doctor Sleep. When I was a kid, there was a place, a dark place. They closed it down. 
and let it rot. But the things that live there. They come back. Not many ride the bus this far north. You're running away from something. I'm running away from myself, I guess. You can hear me. You're magic. Like me. I don't know about magic. I always called it the shining. The world is a hungry place. A dangerous place. These people, they hurt people like us. These empty devils. They'll eat what shines. And they've noticed that little girl. Wow. Hi there. Get out of my head! Get out! I haven't felt power like that in so long. They're coming. Where are we going? There's a place. I'm ready. Yes, you run, dear. And then I will find you. And you will scream for years. Come play with us forever and ever. And that was the first time I'd watched. So I watched the director's cut, actually. So uh, I sat down for the three-hour cut. Uh, I hadn't seen either of them, and I, I put a poll out there kind of saying, like, what, which version do I watch is the first time if I'm only going to watch it here. So everyone always told me, yeah, the director's cut is uh, the one to do. So that's that's where I went. And and I loved it. Mike Flanagan can tell. He's a storyteller. And and the way he pieces a story together is uh, it's engaging. And uh, there maybe there's times where maybe it is long. I never felt tired from the length. I just, I enjoyed it. Where, where, I just wondered, where is this going to take me next? I liked the way it was done with, with chapters. I feel like he almost did an impossible feat yes. you know, with, with this movie, doing a sequel to Stanley Kubrick's movie, yet also being faithful to the book adaptation of uh, a film that, uh, I mean, Stephen King is no secret. He's not a fan of, of the film, The Shining, and no. that's not his book. But this is almost a perfect meld of his book, yet still having the connection to the film. And it, it brought a smile on my face many times. They go back to the hotel and things are familiar. Oh. And you know, even the recasting worked. It was, uh, there were a lot of great moments to it. And the filmmaking was just magnificent at times. Just certain things they did with the camera. Yeah. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And that first time the red rum it, got cracked onto the wall. Just, I got chills at that point. I thought, oh yeah. I don't get, I've heard the stories as to why it was a box office failure. It was released in November. It should have been maybe released in October. October, but yeah, it really was an impossible task. And he takes a long movie and the pace is amazing. And he might be mentioned in my list a little bit later on too, with a completely different, a shorter movie, but it's just, it just shows that he can work with a big epic landscape like this, but he can mm -hmm. also work with kind of a one setting 
horror movie, and each is a is effective. I, again, I, I, that's that's one I I try to find something different from him on that day. I thought if I couldn't find get access to something else, I'd watch Doctor Sleep again because I I'm excited to watch it because uh, I really really love that. And the irony is that it is very very true to uh, the novel, whereas the Kubrick. Uh, one was a yeah. it, was, it was Kubrick. Kubrick uh, beat Stephen King as far as that that film version. But you have the fans of the novel who will be happy, and you have the fans of Kubrick's film, which hopefully will be happy. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I, I think so. Happy, but I because they they kept all the things from the movie uh, that mm-hmm. weren't in the book. They still kept them there, like the hedge maze and yep. whatever else there was. But it was well done. I was I was surprised. I was kind of a little hesitant at first, thinking I'm not sure. Can you do a sequel like this? But and that's you know I was part. I didn't see it in the theaters. I contributed to its negative box office. But uh, I really it was a good show. Really enjoyed. I, it. And I was actually out of the country when it came out, and I wanted to see it. And when I uh, came back, it was already at uh, yeah. Rainbow Cinemas was still around which was the discount theater in uh, i think there's a rainbow cinemas in edmonton it, it no longer is here in saskatoon but and it was gone in no time and so i That's had no part choice of it. To, to wait for it to be on uh, available on blu-ray but it, yeah if it had been one of the ones i watched i think it would have been really high on, on my list so my number nine is a film that's had a lot of attention as a kind of a dare I say modern horror classic of the last few years. And I had hadn't these were a lot of first time watches, not all of them. I hadn't seen Midsummer. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, I to do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. Skål! What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right. The sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. How long have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? Yeah. What do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What is it? It has special properties. What am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate. I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? I don't know why you invited us. That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know. We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come. 
directed ah. by Ari Aster, who also directed Hereditary. Very interesting horror director. He's one of these ones who's kind of a slow burn. Very much, yeah. And especially with this one, it's uh, I forget how long it is. But it really takes its time before we kind of see where we're going with it. Uh, Florence Pugh, before she started to Black Widow and a few films, she was up for an Oscar nomination for the last version of Little Women. So this was a little bit before this. She plays Danny, who undergoes a, a horrible tragedy uh, where she loses her entire family. And she's really in a funk and has this quite supportive boyfriend. And he and his buddies are, are going to head off to Europe and... Uh, one of the buddies has this family and they're kind of these have these this pagan festival that they're going to attend. She ends up going along with them. And then when we kind of see what this society is about in a rather graphic and brutal scene from there, the horror gets going. But even then he has the patience. He doesn't. This is what I really admire about a modern filmmaker that's not in a hurry to tell a story. There's still lots of time where you're you're just feeling uneasy because you don't exactly know where you are in this setting with these people and also you're you're kind of caught in this place where am i judging this because i've got kind of a more westernized view of the world but then yeah yeah we actually should be judging what's going on in this uh particular commune so it gets really wild towards the end yeah. uh, graphic sex and violence and you're kind of left at the end I won't spoil the end but you're left with what have i've gone on this journey but where am i with it and there's something that's really kind of thought-provoking and memorable about it so i'm a fan of midsummer and uh, i'm happy i i added it to it it was connected to uh vacation holiday horror that was the theme uh, that no, that's a good fit yeah it's i find it kind of disorientating uh, at times because they're the characters are sort of in that phase and i like it's been some time since I've seen it, but I think they, they drink something or whatever. They, it makes them a little bit drugged up or, or foggy. I something they do crap, shrooms, right? I think. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. She, and, she and, drank a tea version of shrooms because she was... The tea. Uh, the, the tea, yeah. Yeah, and I think as the characters get a little bit disorientated, the viewers as well. And uh, because I'm, I'm with you, I agree that there's just a sense of unease about the whole thing. Something, it seemed, you know, like a nice enough place. Everyone's pretty friendly, but uh, there's something not right. And uh, as you go on, the, and just a little, like the bear was, yeah. <laughs> what to say yeah. about the bear. But yeah, it definitely takes its time. And I, I could see some people maybe tapping out if it's not their thing, you know, after hour two and you're still waiting uh, yeah. for some stuff to happen. I think it's I'm not sure i think it was over three hours though if i'm not mistaken but uh, uh it's close to three uh, hours two and a yeah. half to three hours one thing i would say I, I feel like this is the movie that the remake of wicker man should have been if you ever listened to the rank and review episode where okay. larry and i talk about the remake of wicker man starring nicholas cage, Nicolas cage yeah. uh, neither of us are fans of that particular film <laughs> i feel like and i am a fan of the original like the creepy 70s one there i think there, there was an opportunity with that movie which completely went wrong here and this is where uh, aster has kind of made made the type of movie that maybe that should have been but maybe it's not fair to compare the two but i yeah. i just feel that there's some some similar 
settings and themes and ideas in there uh just midsummer is way more successful yeah no i can see that and and i was proven wrong it's you're right it was two and a half hours i was two and a half, just yeah. to set the stri- record straight yeah yeah the pace the pace it is so, i think for modern audiences they might feel like it's four hours but i didn't i watched it on the right day and it was i i knew how long it was and i just settled in and enjoyed myself yeah that was one of those films where i wasn't sure if i liked it until the next day and those that happen especially some horror films it's like did you like that i don't know as soon as it was over i'm not sure if i like that and then i find it sticks with me it's all i can think about for two days straight after i said okay i guess i struck a chord i liked it but hereditary was like that for me where for two-thirds of it i thought i was watching one of the greatest horror movies of all time and at the end of this wild third act i was like did i watch one of the worst or one of the best horror movies i've ever seen and i still don't know where i am with that one i'm a little bit more clear on midsummer i think other two i do prefer hereditary but but they're both good films what's your number eight Uh, for number eight i'll give a shout out to the to netflix for watching uh fear street there was a time when things were good on shady side but now that's all gone Oh man, I turn the one around with the skeleton hand, yeah. Hello? Still alive. Who is this? It's happening again. Sorry, I'm back! Run out of Tonight is Sunnyvale vs. Shadyside. Red versus blue, good versus evil. We commence a Kate Are you okay? That was 1978, 5,937 days ago. Shady Side, a history of horror, has earned it the nickname Killer Capital USA. It's happening, us. These massacres happen in Shadyside over and over. You were the only person who survived. How do we end this? You have to go back to where it all started. 1666. The devil has come to feast on our misdeeds. If they want a witch. Witches! Witches! I will curse this tome. Forever. It's been three centuries. It stops here. It stops with us. Who the hell was that? How should I know? She was hot. The bitch seemed normal. Amazing observation. Your best chance is to run from this place. Go, go, go! In Shadyside, we're all cursed. The devil is in me. Any tips for fighting these things? Try not to die. Welcome to the suck. Come back from that mother. (laughs) 
So on uh, Netflix day, I watched uh, Fear Street Part One and Part Two actually, and uh, I watched it with my my daughter. Um, she's uh, she's sixteen, and you know we knew it. It's based on R.L. Stein books, which I'm not familiar with the books, but you know uh, he's famous for the Goosebumps books and you know kind of children's entry level horror. So I thought, well, how bad could this be? So uh, my wife even joined. She's not a horror fan. And uh, I'm not sure if you have you seen them or at all or yeah one of the days did. it was one of the movies oh, I okay. only watched the first part though I didn't okay. get to the uh, second and third yet yeah I, I recommend finishing it off I'm I'm just going to call it a tie part one and part two I, I don't know which one to, to pick out it's because all three they go together it's it's a set so I was really surprised with it and just the level of uh, the on screen violence that they went with and the language too because I'm I thought well it's a children's author so uh, you know maybe not not children not toddlers or anything but as i say sort of like a teen entry into you know family horror but uh great universe building with with the whole series i ended up part three was what i watched on uh, november 7th we fought, my yeah. daughter finally wanted to finish it so we watched that but uh i we really liked the ride part one you know it's kind of uh there's it starts off i feel like it, i was watching scream is very scream kind of uh, uh inspired uh, there's there's witch stuff going on there's a bunch of things you know background you don't really know part two kind of goes back into the past and tells a bit more of the history and part Part three goes further in the past, yet it ties it all together, jumps back in the, in time, and it, it's it was really good. And uh, it's that's the kind of thing where it's a uh, you know we talk smack sometimes about uh, Netflix or the streaming things, but uh, they do bring us some uh, some interesting products. Yeah, and and it's never about the you know the products. I mean, there's great yeah. quality. On, I mean, Netflix stuff is going to be mentioned a few times here, but yeah, I I think the issue has been that they kind of decide what's available to people and oh, what yeah, is available. Sure. And some movies can can disappear if we aren't careful. And just I know Larry's problem with it is just not being able to hold the physical copy to add to his collection, and particularly with things like Stephen King movies, which he's been collecting for for years. So, but I'm I mean I I, I don't see myself uh, giving up my my Netflix subscription anytime soon. I'm excited to sort of see where where they go with their movie division. Their TV those are also very good, but their movies have really uh, improved over the last several years and certainly when you have Scorsese and David Fincher and those folks uh, putting their, their films through Netflix I mean that's uh, that's a good sign hopefully Say something uh, I, yeah. I was a bit sorry I was a bit mixed but maybe I need to see the second and third parts before I kind of get there I, I I love that opening um, that opening is with I think it's um, she's also in Stranger Things it's the daughter of Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman I think Maya Hawk, I think is her name. Okay. Uh, and so that opening sequence the opening was great, yeah. Was so yeah. good. I feel like the best performance in it, and I know it's not all about the acting performance, but that was the best performance in the whole movie. I you know, the characters were were good. I can sort of see reading the book how I would kind of start to to like them more and more, but I wasn't sure the quality of acting kind of matched the potential with the story. But I again maybe I should see the other two movies and then have a, a full idea of the whole Fear Street arc. I liked it and I, I wanted to love it and I'm still kind of just in a like place with it. You said you uh, were really enjoying it and, and it maybe helps to watch with a couple people and if, you're, if your daughter there, was enjoying it, that would add to the enjoyment of it too, I think. Yeah, I think I did prefer, Maybe I think part two might be a little bit more enjoyable because part one, you're taking time kind of building, you know, this is who everybody is and uh, part two takes place in a summer camp in 1978 and that's kind of yeah. well, the summer camp slasher, That's that's my area yeah, I, but, uh, I, I was in right away but one thing they do with it 
it to is maybe the music maybe got a little bit tiresome. I mean, I love a, a movie with good soundtrack, but they just shot a music clip after music clip to make sure part make sure you're aware part one yeah. takes place this in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, they they play uh, ten seconds of a song and then boom, they're gonna hit you with ten seconds of another song and then boom, and they do the same thing in 1978 and it's like okay, I I get it, but you know yeah. I just start tapping my foot to the song and then they're gonna change it and do something else. But <laughs> I've heard one. that criticism from others about about the the series and I was almost hyper aware of it with 94 and it didn't bother me i guess too much i thought it was gonna be something that was gonna distract me but maybe because i was prepared for it that wasn't as much of an issue oh see i liked it i'd be tapping my head they're playing radiohead and then all of a sudden yeah, they changed yes. it and they're playing something else and <laughs> all right so we're going back to uh, mike flanagan day for my number eight i i went with hush a movie as Dr. Sleep is. Hush is this wonderful slasher movie, one location. Kate Siegel plays Maddie, who is a, a, a woman who is mute and hard of hearing. And she's a writer and she's living remotely to sort of get away from, I think, an ex-boyfriend and a few other things in the city. And just this one day, a character called Man, played beautifully by John Gallagher Jr., shows up and attacks her and he thinks it's gonna he really toys with her thinks this is gonna be easy once he discovers that she can't hear or scream out or speak but she has a lot of fight in her and this is just a i, I just had so much fun with this as a, a cat and mouse slasher film you know i can ask some hard questions of it and maybe there aren't great answers to it but <laughs> it's it's one that I just keep thinking about. This has been now a few weeks since I saw it, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I don't know if it's just because 
Flanagan as a writer and a director is, is is so good, and he's able to kind of follow you know those who came before him with uh, the conceits of a slasher film, but you end up not caring because uh, it's so good. So, have you seen Hush? That- I have to see Hush. That's that's been on my list for some time okay. to see, and. And I, I would have done that as a as a double feature. I had that kind of say if there's time, but there there wasn't time to do two that day for me. But I, I heard you talk about Hush earlier on your show, and and I know Larry's talked about it. And I, I do I do have to see Hush. What's wrong with me? That it does sound amazing. <laughs> I heard Larry's review of it. I think I like it even more than Larry does. Again, maybe right time, right place, or something. If you're in the mood to pick it apart, then it might not be as much fun. But uh, this was yeah, one I did. You have to stop asking hard questions of your of your horror movie sometimes, and just yeah, just let it happen. Yeah. But and yeah. that's it's a home invasion type horror as well, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. And I've I've always kind of a soft spot for those because done right, they can kind of get uh, get to me a bit because there's to me, you know, the strangers that kind of thing. Where there's to me, there's nothing creepier than mm-hmm. someone knocking on your window on your door at four a.m. and uh, or this is your home, this is your safe place, and someone else is inside it creeping around. Yeah, it's it's uh, the kind of creepy movies. It's not quite as good as the strangers, but it's it's closer than than you would think when you get a chance to check that one out. What's your number seven? Number seven, I'm gonna give it to an all time favorite which uh, seems to poke its head in my tv every october it seems so i I gotta shout out for 1981 the evil dead girlfriend you take care of her To me, The Evil Dead is probably the the best horror franchise, just in that it has no bad chapters, or every chapter is great, and the remake's good, and the the TV series is good. But I, I love the original. Going back to uh, the original Evil Dead, and that was uh, on the day dedicated to a Sam Raimi film. So uh, I watched his first, and you know, I think who was it? I think it was Greg Nicotero that once, uh, maybe it's not him, but I, I believe it was him. We'll say it was him who said uh, <laughs> that if if they had the budget to do the effects the way they wanted to do them, The Evil 
Dead would have been a scarier film than The Exorcist. And and I believe, wow. you know, that that's one thing that maybe holds it back is uh, is you might an, an audience today might say, well, that's that's kind of a hokey effect. But I think for the budget they had, for the resources they had, they made it a, a, a a straight capital H horror film, and it's still I still love to watch this every uh, every chance I can. I mean, I think the series is known as being a horror comedy because of of the later chapters. But yeah. with the Evil Dead, this was a straight up horror movie, and Sam Raimi wasn't the guy who had a Spider Man budget yeah. to work with. He was just you know like any other independent filmmaker getting friends together on a weekend to make a film, and it yeah I really enjoy it. I mean, I've I've heard some people kind of complain that it's some of the things you're talking about that it's kind of the weakest one in uh, of the immediate trilogy of films at least i i don't really buy it i think i i, I really enjoy it as a straight up horror movie i i mean i like it better than the remake i i, I maybe have to revisit the remake i didn't have a good time with the remake i know okay. lots of people love it but um, oh yeah I, I absolutely i love the remake i feel like that might have been the movie that that Raimi would have made if he could have yeah. back then yeah and you know maybe there's some too maybe the evil dead the, the first one is maybe the weakest of them all and that maybe stands to uh and i think it's a great movie so I, that's kind of where how, how I, I hold this whole uh franchise up but um i i miss bruce campbell in the remake to be honest uh, that's you know i you couldn't you couldn't have someone else you know have a new ash or, or something or no, or him i think he just and the remake i don't even call it a remake i, I feel like it's another story that takes place in the Evil Dead universe. Sure. I, I feel it fits in the whole, you know, they didn't really replace characters and do this. There's little nods, like, you know, there's the tree roots and little things like that, but uh, sawing off of a hand, I guess, or her, her arm. But, and that's where, for the listeners, where I watched, what, 48 and a half movies. The half point came because after this, I watched uh, Within the Woods, which was the short film that uh, Sam Raimi made before, I guess, to get uh, to get backing to make The Evil Dead. Uh, it was kind of a prototype film. And it's about 30, 35 minutes. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's very, very rough quality. But you can see the seeds being planted. Certain shots are shot for shot what was going to then become The Evil Dead. And uh, Bruce Campbell's in it, if you can kind of make it out, because it's it's pretty bad quality. But uh, I watched that out of curiosity, and I gave myself a half point for that. So Fair enough. I mean, it, it, it could have been a 40, the 49th movie. And then... <laughs> It's a movie. It has a story beginning, middle, and end. So, well, did you say story? It has a story. Did you say? I don't. I I haven't seen it, so I don't. I don't know. I'll I'll have to check it out. I, I get nervous though about like the, if the quality is that bad, it might be too distracting. It's to... it's, it's a little bit worse than uh, VHS. So <laughs> whatever that could be. <laughs> okay, my my number seven. This was a discovery. This was uh, the last movie I saw. Uh, it was the Arrow slash uh, Scream Factory day. And it, it's a, a really a very recent movie, 2020 movie called The Stylist. Hi. Right this way. So, what's the plan? I wish my hair would do that. But we all want what we don't have. We all want what we don't have. <laughs> Claire, this is amazing. Can't wait to see this with the dress. Oh, neither can I. Husband of wedding madness. Getting married turns you into such a narcissist. <laughs> I am actually nervous. 
gonna be great, Olivia. Tell me about you, Claire. I do hair. You get to go in and out of people's lives. You hear stories. The hairstylist, she's creepy. Doesn't Liv actually know her? You give life advice. Almost like having a family. Are you okay? Stupid! <sighs> what are you doing? Directed by Jill Gavargazan. And it is about a hairstylist. And the director and co-writer herself is a hairstylist. So she was kind of writing a little bit about what she knows. This is a hairstylist who appears to be a normal hairstylist. Very looks very put together externally, but there's a lot of psychological trauma going on. And every once in a while, she may decide to decide that she wants to for a short period of time be the person whose hair she is working with. And her way of doing that is very graphic and grisly as you might imagine. But mm. it's also a bit of a real, more than a bit, it's an interesting stalker type of a story as well as she starts to become obsessed with one of her clients who is in the process of uh, of getting married and is an emergency situation where she needs the uh, the hairstylist to, uh, to get her hair ready for this wedding. And you just kind of watch this poor, lonely woman yeah she does horrible things but somehow you kind of sympathize with her make one bad move after another after another and the reveal and the climax of the film is is so worth the time uh it's it's not a terribly long movie but it's one i would highly recommend i had kind of heard a little bit about it the poster looked interesting to me and i checked it out and uh it's it's another one that stayed with me to the point that I, I have it up here at uh, number seven. So I'd, I'd recommend to those who haven't seen The Stylist to check it out. Yeah, I was following along and I saw you posted that one. And you recall, I, I've, I've never seen that cover before or heard of it. So that was, uh, it was new. I said, what's this? This is this is uh, new to me. So I, that must, I'm assuming, is that hard to find right now? Or where, where I saw it was on, Arrow has a streaming service. Oh, okay. And so I kind of got the membership for that that uh, Arrow streaming service. And there's some good stuff on there. See, that's the only problem is that everybody has their own streaming service now. It used to be great when there was, there was one, you know, Netflix and everything. And then there was two. And now it's like, if only there was a place where we could keep all these things all together, something, and we could just call it cable or something. Yeah. (laughs) I I suspect it's also available on, you know, Blu-ray DVD because uh, they, I mean, their, their main business is is selling physical media. Yeah. They're for collectors. uh, I don't know if they're trying to like compete with Shutter or something like that. That's, and that's kind of what I like about the arrows and the scream factories is they'll they'll take these films that you feel like you're the only fan of and uh, give them this beautiful treatment and they're definitely for the collector and great cover art well, i mean cover art might be mentioned at some point later on too as oh, one of the themes well All so right. down to number six i think yeah, my next one was the film I watched for vacation horror. I pulled up Shudder and I watched a film. I know you watched this one as well, Superhost. Uh, all right, Rebecca. Uh, we're going to start off with a friendly introduction, like a, hi, my name is Rebecca and I'm a super host. Do I look at you or at the camera? What's up, guys? My name is Teddy. I'm Claire, and welcome to another episode of Superhost. We are staying in the most gorgeous home up in the mountains. So quiet here. 
This super host uses the name Betty Lou 52 has a nearly spotless record. It's actually Rebecca. Oh, so you're neither Betty nor Lou. <laughs> What's up, guys? What's up, guys? What's up, guys? You think you come out this far to get away from all those crazy people, but then you get to this house and you realize that the host might be even crazier than those people you left behind. Well, I don't want to get in the way of your trip. Wouldn't want to get a bad review. <laughs> That is the craziest shit I've ever seen. We gotta get more of her. Okay, uh, roll camera. Hi, my name is Rebecca. This is what people wanna see. And I am a super host. Complete lunatics. <laughs> this woman, Rebecca, she said that she was the host of this place. <laughs> we have one final surprise for you that I think you're going to love. If anyone's out there watching, please, please help us. Please stop! Think of all the hits you'll get. Look at her. She's harmless. I just had a blast watching this film. It was just, it was just fun. Of course, it's about uh, a couple YouTubers that, uh, you know, they run this channel where they go and stay at, you know, uh, Airbnbs and, uh, and then they rate them and they do videos and they're those incredibly annoying YouTube people that, that I just despise that they make their living doing this. They're saying, smash that like button and don't forget to click subscribe. And, and you know, they're also chipper and they got these silly sound effects on their videos and, you know, then the camera's off and they're just, you know, kind of normal people. And, uh, and as they, they go rent this vacation home and uh, the host of the home is a little bit, a little bit off. She's super cheerful and super chipper, but almost too, <laughs> not almost. She is way too, way too chipper. I don't want to get a bad review. And the way that film just, just takes off, it is so much fun. And I don't have her name in front of me, but the girl that plays the the host, I want her, I want to see her do more stuff like this because she just grabbed the camera and, uh, and went with it. Or one thing I'll, I'll point out as well, I thought it was going to be one of those films where it was a low budget. I think there's a cast of four people total. Yeah. I started, it went long enough that I thought, I don't think we're going to see any on-screen violence and that's okay because I'm really kind of enjoying this anyways. And, and then I got surprised with the sudden on-screen violence that we did see and the fun level went through the roof for me. I think maybe what pointed out, I also put an asterisk beside this one, why it made it so fun is I, I double featured it with a film on Prime called The Rental, which oh, of yeah. which of, of the 48 movies I watched, that was the only one that I, I, I got no joy out of. And I thought it would be a great double feature because that's also about renting a vacation home. Nowhere near the fun that Superhost had. I, I might have watched The Rental, but then you you had said how uh, bad it was. And I kind of thought, well, I don't think I'm going to uh, do that. Gracie Gillum is the name of the actor who plays Rebecca, the, uh, the super host because when she starts getting going off and she grabs the camera herself because a lot of it is done almost kind of found footage style with their uh, their video camera and their laptops and that kind of thing but <laughs> she's got this smile that's way too big and a voice that's way too happy i watched it on a kind of a horror i think it was icons horror icons type of day or something it was it i think was you did it for uh barbara crampton for scream barbara queen, right? crampton. yeah scream yeah. queen that was the theme that day and i watched it it was we're going to do our honorable mentions after and it was kind of the list just beyond the honorable mentions <laughs> and so 
And it's one that I thought was going to maybe even make my top 10 there, but I just had some tough choices to make. So I understand why it was, it's entertaining. It's a lot of fun and I'm, I'm glad I checked that one out. But I, I knew that, that you really, really enjoy that one too. And I, I would never steer anybody away from uh, that movie. It's another one where it's just kind of one location, yeah. but they do so much with that one location as they do in great independent horror movies. And so I was quite impressed. I want to do a shout out to, to the writer director or director Brandon Christensen. When I posted on Twitter that that was a movie I was doing for that theme, Brandon Christensen ended up liking it. Oh, okay. He responded to, to it. I've had this twice this year with independent filmmakers. If I just mention their movie, then on Twitter, somehow they, uh, they end up, you know, <laughs> they get notified. Yeah. They, they must have something set up. So that anybody mentions their, their movie. Has <laughs> anyone watched my movie yet? That's cool. Going in my number six, this was one that really stayed with me too. Another great discovery. Uh, no one gets out alive. Rooms just over here. Ladies only. No smoking, no pets. Amamba, are you guys staying here? For now. Stop out there. Yeah. So much better in here. I know this house is kind of weird. Basement's private. You hear it too? What have you seen? There's something wrong with this place. Even when I'm awake, I see it. I've seen it there. Hello? This house is kind of weird. Please don't try to leave. It'll make it worse. Netflix Horror Day, directed by Santiago Mangini. It's a 2021, so a brand new movie this year. And it's it's about an illegal immigrant who ends up in Cleveland, Ohio, because she knows that she has an uncle who lives there. And she needs to gather enough money to get some fake documents so that she can uh, convince her uncle that she was actually born in the state of Texas, and then he can get her a solid job. But until then, she's working in a sweatshop, and she ends up finding this rooming house, which, again, one of the criticisms that you might have is like, how would anyone agree to stay in this place? Because it's creepy from all get out, but she has no choice. There's nowhere that this poor woman can go. She's never been through an American winter and winter is happening. She needs a place to stay that's going to be uh, cash only and cheap. And so she's, she knows for a short period of time, she's going to stay in this place where there's supposed to be just one other 
woman and then this kind of uh, creepy landlord staying there. But it turns out there are more folks there than uh, she encountered. And so a nice little ghost story to it, but it has a little bit of a an allegory dealing with kind of the consequences of a, a Donald Trump America where people who've crossed the border and don't have the documents are running around and living kind of a a life of a real life uh, horror story. The payoff is interesting, very supernatural in, in places, but I, I just thought it was a solid movie. I, I wanted to mention uh, this Christina Rodlow, who plays Amber, who's our uh, protagonist. She's awesome. And I, I'd be happy to see her in, in some more stuff, but I, I get the sense like they, again, this is not just kind of a one house type of a story. I mean, they make full use of the city that they're filming in. And so it's it's a little bit bigger than that. Maybe it's the Netflix money that they put towards it, but it still has a very independent uh, horror feel to it. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. No one gets out alive. If you have Netflix, you can check it out. And and I'll have to, uh, that's one that I, I haven't got to, but uh, like you're saying, it's just out uh, this year. I, I do remember when it came up and it was on my recommended list. So, you know, I, I clicked add to list and now there's 800 things added to it. I got to get to, but, and then there's 801, but uh, no, it, it, it does look interesting. It's uh it's, it's on my queue down the road somewhere. But. I knew nothing about it and it was, same that's fun. I, I watched I like- Army of the Dead, which I, you know, had a big marketing campaign and I knew quite a bit mm-hmm. about. And it was interesting to me that, with all the budget and all the effects that Zack Snyder has for Army of the Dead, that this smaller independent one was the movie that kind of stayed with me at the end of that day, as opposed okay. to the, you know, the big budget zombie film. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do now is uh, see a movie you know nothing about, just uh, with social media, with the internet, with the advertisement everywhere. The odd time that you can go in and say, I have no idea what I'm watching right now. And then you watch it and you just let it happen and surprise you. It's, it's, it seems like it's rare now to not know anything. And it's a lot of fun when you can get surprised I, and i try not to listen i when i was a kid i was looking at all the reviews and on ebird every week trying to find out as much information now i want to know nothing even yeah. about like big release films i want to know nothing about it i want to go in form my own opinion and that was the nice thing again about this this month and this uh, this challenge was i was trying to find some movies that i I didn't know a whole lot about or ones that I had just missed for one reason or another uh, over the years seen. And uh, this one was a, to me, a real treasure. It's all the way up to number six for me. Right on. Number five. Number five is the, uh, we're going back, back, back in time for an old, an old film. I watched uh, 1922, the silent film Nosferatu.
Oh, nice choice. And now this was one, I've never actually watched the original film. So as old as it, as it is, this is the first time I sat down with this film and just let it happen. And man, I just loved it. I was I was so looking forward to this day. This, I chose the theme I did it on uh, based on a book day because it is based on, on Bram Stoker's Dracula, but it's an author, unauthorized version. I started reading about it and I found it really interesting that, that they actually got sued for being an unauthorized adaptation and they had ordered all copies of the film to be destroyed uh, except this one that made it to the United States somehow. And every copy we see now is uh, as a result of this one copy that's been passed down through time. And just the vampire himself, Count Orla, I guess we've still not seen a scarier looking vampire nope. for what they, if we're 1922, what they did, I, I would, I think I watched this on shutter. They had a, I had a kind of a grimier version, but the one they had on shutter is, is really nice. What they do with, it's not even black and white. It's kind of a uh, color tinted, which I thought yeah. was genius way to do it because it would be sort of yellow tinted to show it was daytime and they'd, they'd blow out a candle and then they go to a, a, a blue tint to show that it's dark now and, and i thought and it worked wonderfully and they used uh, shadows because you know you're limited with certain things and some stuff it was sort of stop motion and you let it slide you say hey you know this was made 1922 what are you going to do so maybe a yeah. hundred years ago i mean exactly yeah this movie's a hundred years wow. old so, and that's the exact thing I was, I was watching saying, this is great. And, you know, it's different because it's not modern filmmaking. They're doing a lot of uh, overacting with their face to kind of get the point across what's happening. And it was just really neat seeing a film like this. And I, I loved it. Just the way that vampires just staring at her from across the street or, you know, the iconic way he rises from his grave, just straight, just a wonderful experience watching that film. Yeah. And I mean, there's so much mythology around that film and it's one of the most important and horror movies in the history of, uh, of cinema and yeah lots of actors you know for, kind of coming from the German theater and so you'll see that for decades where there's all this overacting and winking at the camera which sometimes modern audiences can be a bit distracting but th those are where the actors came from from the theater where you play it for the back of the house and you don't need to do that on, on camera as much but the whole thing about Max Trek as you know as the vampire and I don't know if he was like the very first mo uh, method actor or all the all the thoughts that somehow Murnau, uh, F.W. Murnau, the uh, director, found a real vampire to play the role. I mean, that's some <laughs> of the the legend around around the movie, and that's why uh, this this guy is, was the scariest vampire in the history of cinema. Great choice. I love that movie. I love kind of follow ups Shadow of the Vampire. If you ever get a chance to see yeah. that, Willem Dafoe does such a great job playing that character and and Malcolm yeah, and, I, is, and I think uh, now, I, I have seen that, and I think now seeing the film it's based on. I definitely want to revisit now with with new eyes on it. Yeah, I, there's some shot for shot stuff that looks very close. Plus, the I mean, and it wasn't just the makeup job. Defoe, that was he's unrecognizable in that role. It's a great choice. Going to number five. I don't know if this is controversial or not. I, I've heard this is a controversial movie. I don't get it because I had such a great time in the movie theater. This was our slasher movie day. I saw okay. Halloween Kills.
was right, the boogeyman was real. It's over. We can't hurt anyone ever again. No one told you. Told me what? Somebody in there? Michael Myers is alive. <laughs> You had a knife in your stomach. You and Allison should not have to keep running. Evil dies tonight. I the door! I'm not just gonna sit and watch another innocent person die. If you track Michael's victims, that's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. What do we do? We fight. Let's hunt him down. Michael Myers is flesh and blood. But a man couldn't have survived that fire. The more he kills, the more he transcends. Run! Go home now! He's the essence of evil. by david gordon green yeah I, there's a few things in it if you're i think the problem is people expect the halloween thing movie to be one thing and when it goes in a direction and some places that is that they don't expect it to then it gets criticized i i know there's maybe a couple of characters that uh, you know those are politically correct or maybe have their up and up or up in arms about how they're portrayed but uh, I I had such a great time with it, and it, I think it's a very worthy chapter in the Halloween franchise where we've had some ups and downs. I, I love Halloween. I it bumps yeah. and grinds. I always go back to it, except for one, and you can probably figure out which one in the uh, in the whole history of it. And it's not Rob Zombies or any of those. There's only <laughs> one film where it was just like, no, everything about was wrong. But I I don't understand the uh, the hate on that some people have. Uh, for this fairly recent movie, I, I, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I went to see it on opening night as well, and I liked it as well. Yeah. Um, it's it it may or may not be on my list. I'm not sure, but yeah, spoiler, it is, and it's a little bit higher than uh, than you put it. Yeah. But uh, I, I really liked it, and I couldn't understand why some people were so hard on it. I thought it's it's a slasher movie, guys. What this is the the same franchise that gave us, uh, you know. Uh, resurrection remember that and this you know with busta rhymes and uh, mm -hmm. uh you know and just other that. choices and, and which is funny because I, I decided to watch halloween resurrection as part of my october this you're just saying okay now that that's how they ended the franchise the first time now they're trying to correct it and do it right and uh let's just see them do it right and it's halloween kills was so it was a slasher film like it's brutal totally yeah the yeah. the brutal violence was was something and you know the soundtrack was killer yeah and uh some people had issue with certain things but i don't know maybe you're asking too much from from a halloween movie and that's probably just because it's it's a loved franchise and mm -hmm. everyone wants it to be the movie they want it to be and uh i'm, I'm really looking forward to to seeing how it ends next uh next year, next right? october yeah i and this is another reason for for going in, not listening to anybody, and seeing the movie and making judging it based on that, I 
I heard that like Jamie Lee Curtis and Jason Bloom were out doing some sort of a campaign, really emphasizing an allegory for protest movements. And some people uh-huh. thought it was connected to the Capitol riot. Some th- some people thought it was disrespectful to Black <laughs> Lives Matter, bringing in all of this other stuff, which has really nothing to do with the movie. The movie is about a community that has been terrorized by Michael Myers for a couple generations. And what starts to happen and the danger of what starts to happen when people start to have a mob mentality, I think that's kind of at the center of it. And I think that's maybe where some people got a little bit lost. They just wanted maybe to see Michael Myers going around killing a bunch of teenagers and then... Which you will see. And that's in there. But Jamie Lee Curtis and her granddaughter fight off Michael Myers. But some of that's in there. Jamie Lee Curtis is a bit of a different type of a thing for her in this in this one. And I don't know if that's another reason that people were. Yeah. I've I've heard that as well. People, because she was kind of off, she was off to the side a lot. She was uh, in the hospital bed recovering from a wound. Yeah. Yeah, she is. So they're actually like when a character's hurt, there's actual consequences in this trilogy. It's not like you're going to be up and fighting Michael Myers five minutes later. Yeah. Jimmy Lee Curse was given the lead, I guess, in the film, but I think it's just a little bit more like what the trilogy is, whereas, you know, she still is this very much the central character in the series and it's Michael Myers against, against Laurie. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to the next one, but I, I like this one even more than Halloween uh, 2018. Actually. I, oh, yeah? yeah, it was fun. It was, this is another one that was just so, so much fun and going back to the movie theater and just seeing it on the big screen. I'd highly recommend people do that while it's all still in, in theaters yeah that was a fun uh, theatrical experience for sure seeing that because i've been looking forward to this one to come out for you know two years now yeah. and uh you know that date's been circled on my calendar mm-hmm. when that comes out i mean it was yeah. supposed to be released last year i believe yeah um, and, and you know the the 31 days themes were in all honestly randomly chosen uh except for that one day i kind of cooked yeah. the books a little because i said well i have to be able to see that on the day it comes out so yeah slasher that sounds good let's do that one. and i think one thing that some people had a problem with you know aside from uh, maybe not seeing giving jamie lee curtis enough to do but you know she's here for one more chapter as well is uh you know there's the also the the drinking game that becomes with every time someone says evil dies tonight you take a drink because yeah that does get a little bit overused or anytime someone says as a variation on that or tonight this ends or he needs to die and i'm gonna do it and tonight you know it's not gonna happen tonight we got one more movie next year you know this and and then some people had issue with the ending which it's still a recent film so i don't want to say anything really yeah, about the ending, but no but i, I can I see remember. i never i didn't really have a complaint about it you know i just i was smiling while the movie was on and you know my mouth was open during some scenes like just some of the kills were incredibly rough and uh, just mean but uh which <laughs> is, is not a complaint i really liked where they went with that but yeah the, afterwards i came home and i just started re- reading about you know people's thoughts and i thought oh, okay i guess yeah with the ending certain things but i didn't mind it at all it was I, I heard somebody say on another podcast once that i think it was actually in reference to fear street that with slasher movies when they first come out there's always this hate on for them and then over time people start to soften and start to realize oh this was actually a classic what were we thinking about back then that we didn't like that movie and we see that sort of time and time again and i i feel like when people have some time to relax a little bit and realize that this is a, a very good entry in this this franchise and i think it's a direction that they kind of needed to go i think we're on to number Keep four going. All right, sticking with black and white. Oh, this was a uh, 50s horror. My favorite of the Universal monster movies is The Creature from the Black Lagoon.
scientists couldn't explain it. But there it was, alive, in the deep, deep waters of the Amazon. A throwback to a creature that had existed a hundred million years ago. Immensely strong and destructive. A woman's beauty, the bait that brought it out of its lair. See underwater thrills never photographed before. See titanic underwater battles never dreamed of before in this most terrifying of the science fiction adventures. And just this is uh, the well, I've seen it before, but this was the first time I watched it on uh, a new uh, on Blu ray, and it was. It's man, it just looks beautiful and it does, yeah. and it's nice. Uh, you know, I got this universal monsters box set with with all the, the originals in it. And uh, this one, uh, you know, Dracula is you know, you can't relate to a lot of these. You know, I don't know what it's like to live in a, an old castle or, or create a monster from you know, other dead bodies. Or the Wolfman is you know, he's kind of an everyday kind of guy, but everyone can think about a monster movie, just a monster that lives in the water. And kind of like with Nosferatu, just being impressed with what they were able to film back some time ago. Uh, these underwater sequences are great. Mm -hmm. uh, the monster looks terrific, really. I, I Give me a man in a rubber suit every day over, over CGI. I yeah. always stand by that. But I just, I think as I'm getting older, I'm maybe appreciating some of these older films a bit more. You know, if I was, but even when I was young, I, I dug this monster. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you might look at it and say, well, this is kind of uh, old, but no, this, a lot of respect goes to the creature from the Black Lagoon for me. Yeah, that's a great choice. I, I had recently watched it, so that's why I didn't go with it that day. But I went with uh, the the first sequel, Revenge of the Oh, yeah. Creature. It's a lesser film as far as story goes, but it still has that great underwater photography and looks great on a, a Blu-ray because I think I have the same collection that you have. I, I like that series and the series within the larger the, the Marvel Universe before, uh, before the <laughs> that's Marvel, right, or really before we got the 80s kind of brought back the Freddie and Jason and Michael Myers, late 70s Michael Myers. Those were kind of the new, the new universal monsters for a different age. But before that, yeah, and this was one of the later ones as far as starting starting a series. Like they had, they had had probably about 20 years to uh, improve their filmmaking techniques from Dracula, which was a little bit. I, I like it well enough. I like Bela Lugosi as Dracula, but mm -hmm. it feels a little bit staged, a little bit wooden in places, a little bit uptight. Um, it's a little bit older too. So is, is uh, just, even though it is black and white, it, there's such color and depth to it. It's, uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful movie and tells an interesting story. And again, the, the whole thing about, you know, man interfering with, uh, with nature and that's, that's worked well for horror for uh, decades and decades. Yeah, true enough. It's and it's a simple enough kind of monster movie, and uh, and sometimes that's don't overcomplicate it. It's it's it works. Um, my number four fun movie. This was the cool cover art. They were all wonderful movies that day, but a lot of fun with uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Universal Pictures is proud to present the motion picture directing debut of one of America's most talented and respected artists. Cut! Cut, 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 cut! Oh, hello, kitties. So glad you could join me. Your pal, the Crypt Keeper, has gone Hollywood in a big way. I'm directing my first feature film. Care for a little shriek preview? <laughs> For my big scream premiere, I wanted lots of suspense. Uh -oh. 
special effects, sex, yeah. violence. The kind of thing you could really sink your teeth into. Hi! Frights! Camera! Action! It's about a chase through the ages. A race against time. <laughs> the war between good and evil. Come on out, everybody! It's time to play! And the final battle between man... I'm sorry. ...and demon. I'm not gonna hurt you. I lied. It stars Billy Zane from Dead Calm, William Sadler from Die Hard 2, and Jada Pinkett from Menace to Society. Ooh, I love those titles. And you'll love Demon Knight. They're here! The demons are here! And ladies, if you think Demon Knight is too gross and yucky... Wow! Thank you! <laughs> Directed by Ernest R. Dickerson and... Essentially, it's a battle between Billy Zane playing uh, in full Billy Zane crazy mode, playing the collector, and uh, William Sattler as a uh, breaker who is trying to uh, stop him and kind of a, a battle between good and evil. Yet there's a lot of comedy, a lot of fun, a lot of color to it. I guess if I, but it wouldn't be a Tales from the Crypt if it didn't have the Crypt Keeper. I think sometimes the bookends uh, are less interesting than the main story itself, but I really yeah. like that main story. And I was fully prepared, like as far as Billy Zane gets a lot of credit for this movie, but William Sadler, that's one of his best performances, I think. People might not know the name, but will have seen him in, in many things. Uh, he, had, uh, he was one of the prisoners in the Shawshank Redemption, for example. He's really good. Then Jada Pinkett, before she was Jada Pinkett Smith, comes in and, and she has a fun role too, where she's kind of, she's tough and she's kind of battling William Sadler because we don't know initially what he's about as much. It looks like it's the reverse, that he's maybe a criminal or he's he's not on the right side and Billy Zane's kind of the good guy. But a lot of fun there. Uh, Dick Miller's in there playing a character named Uncle Willie. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church, he was probably still in kind of uh, the TV show Wings at the time. He's, he's the guy who does everything wrong in the movie. That's one I, that was just a, a fun one in the middle of the heavier horror movies I was looking at and I enjoyed it. So I don't know if you're, are you a Demon Knight or like the Tales from Tales from the Crypt uh, man? Oh yeah, no, I, I do like the Tales from the Crypt. I just recently actually picked up the whole, uh, the DVD set of the series and uh, just kind of slowly making my way through those and kind of revisiting. Some of them are more familiar than others and and the films I hadn't seen for a long time and it's I'm trying to, the the Dennis Miller one, that's a uh, Bordello Blood. Blood yeah. yeah, it's funny because uh, like recently, that. recently on a podcast with Larry, I think he brought that one up as his uh, as a guilty pleasure favorite. And and, and these one, I hadn't seen, I don't think since since what they were mid nineties, I believe, or yeah. early nineties. Yeah, I so ninety six with Bordello and maybe yeah, ninety five for um, Demon Knight. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to definitely take another look at it because my memory is very. Uh, distant on it but yeah there there's some some cheese with them but uh yeah they're i, I think they're fun films I, I remember listening to that and by the way that's a great show of course at the end i'll be uh showing out rank and review but the guilty pleasures two-part episode that you did with larry i that was a lot of fun i felt like i should have had a notebook writing down movies <laughs> and recommendations there but i think Do there it. Are movies where larry said nobody likes this movie but me as bordello of blood was one of them and i was like yeah 
I like Bordeaux of Blood. I, I really enjoy that film. And um, right on. yeah, I, Demon Knight gets a lot of the attention as being that. They came out first, and and so I think there were high expectations for Bordello of Blood, and maybe it's not as technically well made, or the story might not be quite as interesting as Demon Knight. But yeah, I, I like them both for uh, different reasons. There, I actually ordered Bordello of Blood, uh, and I, it hasn't arrived yet, but uh, ordered it online. So yeah, that's that episode got me thinking about where can I get a copy of it, and I think it's Scream Factory has has one. So yeah, they do. Yeah, we're down to number three. Speaking of Scream Factories, I have uh, my Scream Factory of uh, Return of the Living Dead. In the dark of the night, something strange is going on. is how do we get them back into the ground? Bert, Frank, we have a little problem. Stupid asshole! Watch your tongue, boy, if you like this job! Like this job! in my number three spot and that was celebrate a scream queen and so i chose the uh the lovely linnea quigley to be represented that uh, that day because that scene in the graveyard really really spoke to me as a young guy when i first saw this film i'm not sure what exactly it was about it but 
I think I I've two ideas. <laughs> I think I've seen this movie maybe like I don't know forty times or so, but it and it it it, it keeps me entertained and it's so much fun every single well, time I watch it. And because I, I used to watch it on VHS so much, and now seeing it on Blu-ray and you can see things in it that I never saw before, just the details. And yeah, Shadow Linnea Quigley is trash in this movie is iconic. But uh, there's so much more. I mean, the the Tar Man zombie has yeah, always yeah. been one of my favorites. This is you one of my favorite zombie movies of all time and I'm, i made my wife watch it and and she's i was i'm smiling like this the whole time then she looked at me at one point and said so this is your favorite movie i'm like yeah isn't it awesome and she's like okay but it's got a great combination of comedy it's not a comedy movie but it's funny as hell and uh it's winking at you and the effects are great there's some really good stuff in it and the soundtrack i i just i was surprised i watched it last october as well actually yeah. and it's another one of those that keeps kind of popping up i seem to watch it annually and i'm surprised with how much fun i can still have with this movie and that's why i gotta put this on the list because it's it's one of my favorites and it always entertains i mean i i've often been and i admit it as being a little bit of a sometimes i have trouble with horror comedy because i find sometimes the comedy overtakes the horror a little bit and i just feel like when when you get a, a solid horror comedy when it's done well and there are examples of it uh, there might be some more examples later on on, on the list uh, and that's one where i don't know i'd have to question maybe if you don't like horror you wouldn't like it but if you like horror movies it is so entertaining from beginning to end oh. it is it is definitely one of the, one of the greats and i it wasn't part of my 31 days of horror this year or else it would have been right up there uh, <laughs> probably around the, the spot where you have it so well um, whenever whenever you hear somebody acting like a zombie and saying brains you have to know that's this is where that from came that from that wasn't coming from george a romero um Nope. As much as George A. Romero's influence is obviously oh, all over that film. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those, uh, it's an indirect sequel, I guess, not really to Night of, of the Living Dead, but they do mention it, right? They yeah. say, hey, have you ever seen the movie Night of the Living Dead? Did you know that movie is real? They ship some of those bodies here in the basement and it starts it off and it's a, it's a crazy fun film. And, and, and what an, and the ending is so dark, I guess, really. like, yeah. <laughs> like they, yeah. they, they bombed the, the they, everybody dies. <laughs> it's just yeah. great. But yeah, there's a sequel. So yeah, actually two two sequels. Yeah, I'm gonna be going in a, kind of a downer mood now for number my number three. My number three Excellent. is as much fun as your number three, but it is impactful. This is the the 1988 version of The Vanishing. Je m'appelle Raymond Lemorne. Je suis sociopathe et claustrophobe. Je n'ai jamais trompé ma femme. Mais je m'empresse de vous dire que pour moi le pire, ce n'est pas tué. Parce que mine de rien, c'est devenu une passion. Tu as quelque chose dans la tête Vous êtes un euh, menteur. Menteur Non, je ne veux pas. Non. Oui Et euh, je, je veux... Euh, 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 euh. Vous avez violé Saskia 
si elle est morte, je vais mourir moi aussi. Et si l'homme qui voulait savoir, c'était vous Directed by George Slusher. Okay, which, I've seen it. And there was a, a remake uh, with Jeff Bridges and Kiefer Sutherland that I, I, I enjoyed just out of ignorance, but I, I know a lot of people who don't like it because it does things so different from the original European film. Uh, and it's essentially this couple are on holiday. They had a, a little bit of a fight earlier on earlier on but then they make up and then you know they stop she goes into this shop and then boyfriend can't find her and is looking all over and asking people and doesn't know what happened and she just vanishes into thin air and he he is then obsessed with what happened was she kidnapped is she still alive was she killed what went on we sort of see that point of view and then the film is clever and it, it goes back and it shows the person who is responsible for this vanishing in one of the most calculated, coldest, uh, scariest performances that you will ever see. Bernard Pierre Donado plays uh, Lamorne. And this is, it, it gives you, it just leaves you in a really creepy spot where just any ordinary people that you, person that you come across in your life who has a family could potentially be a uh, methodical serial killer mm -hmm. and uh, we we see how this is this is laid out and then it goes into a really kind of a an interesting uh, third act how this related to the themes was that we had phobias and uh, I was struggling with what phobia but my personal phobia would be to be buried alive and that's a bit of an element in uh, in this film again if for people who can't take subtitles I mean I, I kind of feel bad for them because yeah. they were you know just going to the American version I like both I still I haven't watched the American one for years maybe I'll, I'll like it less the next time I see it because this this version so fresh in my mind but I I think you need to kind of see both to kind of get the different perspectives on the story but if you only see one this 1988 film it's, uh, it's available kind of through uh the criterion collection if people are trying trying to find it and it's i would say one of the best horror movies of the 1980s and, oh wow yeah and, and that's i mean what a great decade for horror it's not fun <laughs> it's not friday the 13th or mm. uh it it leaves you feeling in a bad place you kind of need to watch a you know a night of the living dead or uh or something that a demon night or something a little bit fun afterwards just to sort of wash off the uh, intensity of it. Really? I highly recommend it. You're hitting uh, a lot of new ones here for me to get keeping a list here. Good. I, I kind of thought you'd be giving me the, uh, <laughs> the ones I hadn't seen here. So Well, I'm so, not going to do that with number two because uh, number two, I, that's where I stuck here. Halloween Kills. It, it, uh, that's a very good choice. Two, so you know. not, not much else we can you know, say about it other than uh, I did like the little nods back to uh, the franchise. I love that the kids had the silver shamrock masks on from Halloween yeah. three uh, yeah. in the playground, those kids that were just little pricks. And, uh, and it was, I had a laugh in the theater when they're saying, yeah, there's some guy over there in a mask. He's playing peekaboo with us. Like we're in kindergarten or something. And, and say, Hey, get on here. I think he's a pervert, but it was just kind of funny. But, and you know, and then Michael kills these kids. He's holding the silver shamrock mask, which if you, and I was looking for the detail and you see a little glimpse at the, back of the mask it actually has the the shamrock logo and i thought this is this is great i love this film uh, another thing that uh, we didn't mention that i really liked was uh how they incorporated flashback scenes to 1978 
that weren't actually in the movie, the original Halloween, but it looked like they were just, it just seemed to fill those blanks in what happened, you know, after the film ended and, and where we got now, I'm just adding more backstory and, t- and tying things together. The, the, the font looked great. Just the, uh, even the camera, it looked like it was filmed in, in 78. It was just a little bit blurrier, not blurry, but you know, it just had the aesthetics were great. Yeah. I, I really dug that. I, I remember, I think I out loud said, this is cool. I think I said that at one point when I was watching the movie, just out loud, when I realized what they were doing, I dug it. And we talked about the brutal kills, the characters of, uh, everyone loved big John and little John. They ended up the, the gay couple that lives in the old Myers house now. And yeah. to me, that's one of the hardest kills when he gets that knife in the armpit. I'm not sure what it is about that, but just the idea of that, I seen like what 20 people get stabbed with a knife, but for some, I've never saw someone get stabbed in the armpit mm-hmm. and that just hurt more for some reason. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's a, a sequence that's being criticized or not. I, I mean, I, I really just, and I, maybe I don't care. You know, I think the, you know, people are very sensitive about everything now, you know, no, no matter what you're going to offend somebody, but I think, you know, that that's a sequence that like is in scenes, which are so good, like a little movie within the movie. Uh, that's, that's about perfect. I think David Gordon green, I think, he's an enormous fan of the Halloween franchise and he's figure out ways to have homages and to celebrate it and to, to do things right. And the technology that we live in, like, uh, I don't know if this is good or bad thing, but we can actually have characters reappear played by actors who have long since died too, which is kind of a nice, oh, nice yeah. Piece. When we saw Donald Pleasance all of a sudden, right? Yeah. And that, that blew me away. Cause, in this movie, cause I, so. I, I heard his voice. And it shows his feet walking. And I thought, oh, yeah, it's like, that's uh, Dr. Loomis. And then they showed him. And I thought, wait, what? How did they? It, it looked, I thought it looked good. Some people complained and said, you know, how did they do that? And I guess they had a lookalike actor and they gave him the, the haircut and everything. But I thought it was great. It tricked I, I, me for a minute. <laughs> it worked for me. I mean, I, again, maybe I'm, yeah, I don't know if I'm getting softer in my uh, uh, increasing age here with movies or whatever, or being less. I didn't see anything wrong with that uh, particular effect, and I thought it it was great. So I I I, I just I'm not understanding. I've, I've said it, it's not worth saying it again. Yeah. Understand all like the criticisms of it. I mean, if you don't like this, then what are you wanting from your horror movie right now? It throws everything in and the kitchen sink, and people are still not happy with it. So I, I feel like this could have been the greatest Halloween movie of all time, and still there would be people who would be complaining about it and saying, "Oh, well, it doesn't have this. It doesn't have that." You know, we're getting. So- such better Halloween sequels right now than and that we're complaining about than the ones we were raised on that we just accepted and didn't complain. We never complained about Halloween five and four, but now yeah. we can, you know, pick out little, oh, this doesn't make sense or that's not very good or they use the wrong mask. But uh and now these sequels care. we got are really good. I think we're just in an age where everything you can't keep people happy and that's that's kind of too bad. Um, I'm going back to the fun here and, and the Sam Raimi day. So this is number two is where I had Army of Darkness. In an age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. And a time of evil. You shall die! When the world needed a hero. This one was souls. I don't want to die! What it got was him. Groovy. Throw your shoelaces untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped in the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. 
foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the word Klaatu, Berata, Nictu. I got it, I got it! Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, Nictu! When they only spoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. Now, he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. With the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. Sound the trumpets. Raise the drawbridge. Drop the Oldsmobile. From Sam Raimi. Director of Darkman comes Army of Darkness. They live. They breathe. They suck. Army of Darkness. This is one where the cat's out of the bag. It's a full-on horror comedy. I guess some criticisms might be that it's not as scary as the earlier chapters, <laughs> but it was so much fun. And sometimes I watch it and I kind of get why some people might not dig this one as much. But I, it was just that that particular day. Again, I, I, we're talking about movies where right day, right time. I had so much fun with it. Bruce Campbell just gets to be as zany as possible, but others, those who are even those who are playing it straight, realize that they're in a comedy. Evil Dead 2, the other actors didn't realize they were in a comedy. They, they thought they were in a, a regular horror movie and only really Raimi and, and Bruce Campbell knew that they were actually making a, a comic horror movie. And I, I just like all the, the way they use the medieval time travel piece. But it brings the blood, it brings the gore. We have the dead army that, that rise up. There's a lot of fun in it. And I, <laughs> I, I it's one of my favorite horror movies of the 1990s and uh, it, it remains so and uh, so this is one that I I might label a classic. I don't think yeah. it had a great reception when it first came out, but it was kind of thrown into the spring. But people know it, and I really like it. Uh, I'm not going to argue with you at all. I, I love the Army of Darkness. That's uh, I, I got the poster on my wall, and I, I helped that movie make its money in in theaters. I think I went like five times. You know, every weekend yeah. for a month we start. We said, "What do you go see movies?" Yeah, I don't know. What do you want to see? See Army of Darkness again? <laughs> but, and then I'd see one friend that hadn't seen it yet. Say, "All right, here we're going. We're going." this saturday and then we go to the cheap theaters we'd see it again and it's yeah it's a good time it's a medieval horror movie with a heavy three stooges influence yes which very uh, heavy three stooges. <laughs> and, and i mean there's no way completely atop evil dead 2 but they took the idea of his hand beating him up and instead all those little those little ashes attacking him and going up his nose that's a really uncomfortable sequence too i mean you just, <laughs> there's something kind of sneaky about it how you know they get the body horror in there and all that it's and, and i'm glad i mean it holds up on multiple viewings and obviously you you would know that if you saw it that many times in theater so i'm glad it's endured because there's so many movies from the 1990s i feel like have been kind of forgotten about and lost and there was a danger that this this could have been but because mm -hmm. it was part of a, a great series it's uh, it's carried on and it's it, it made me feel good so Oh, right on. Yeah, I wanted to, I, for a minute I thought about watching uh, that one as well. Wanted to hit all three if I could, but it just wasn't to be. I, I do love Army of Darkness. It's uh, it's definitely the most fun of of all of them. And Evil Dead's you know fun, or Evil Dead Two is a lot of fun as well. But this one's just pure. Okay, we're just gonna you know the cabin in the woods thing is a little bit scarier than you know the the medieval uh, adventure and yeah. uh, but you know so many great just Ash lines in that movie. It's probably the most quotable Ash movie. Yes, uh, yes. just but uh, no, it's a lot of fun. 
So we're on to your number one, the, uh, your favorite or perhaps the best of, of the 31 Days of Horror. What did you choose for that? Well, I don't know if this is the best movie, but this is the one I purely enjoyed the most. And as soon as, as, soon as you suggested doing this, this movie jumped to the front to me. And the, the month wasn't even over yet. And I said, this, this is number one. And this film is called Psycho Goreman. Many moons ago, a nameless evil was imprisoned in a place far beyond reach. Hurry up! If he were ever to be released, it would spell certain doom for all existence. Is that fear I smell? Your planet will be torn to pieces, and I will Mimi, treat your fuck. screams as I rip. Is this yours? Um, Oh my god. The gem of Paraxidike. Whoever wields it is able to command me. Go over there. Uh, and wait for us to come back in the morning. You will suffer an eternity for this. Bye. Mom, Dad, I want you to make Psycho Gorman, or PG for short. I will bathe in your blood. Don't worry. Be worried. Slow down gonna kill everybody not unless i tell him to what did you three maniacs get up to um this is getting a little weird this sick game must come to an end she will enslave the galaxy into endless servitude kill him cool he will not stop the ultimate evil has awoken God in town, and his name? Psycho Gorman. It was nice meeting you. It would be nicer if you were dead. All right, bye. So I chose this on uh, cool cover artwork as was yeah. the theme, uh, you know, and it's, this is what it looks like for all of you that are listening, <laughs> but uh, it's one where I, I saw this title and this, this cover and I thought this looks really cool. And, and I bought it based on that, which, you know, sometimes a collector will do and sometimes it works out for you. And most of the time it doesn't. And I just found a very, it grabbed me and I've never seen something quite like this. This is just, I had such a great time. As soon as, as it was over, I could have watched it again. It's about the, this alien creature from from another galaxy that uh, gets discovered by by two precocious children and <laughs> and they find this amulet that can control him and you, he does your bidding and uh, you can command him to do whatever you want if you hold the amulet which this uh, this little girl obtains and and it's it's such a strange movie because it's it's violent it's two movies and and neither movie seems to know that they're in each other's movie it's a violent monster movie and it's this family friendly kid movie and uh, neither of them want to be in each other's movie it seems and it's crazy enjoyable there there is a lot of great gore and violence and it's hilarious at the same time and it's almost like guar like alien characters mixed with it sometimes it almost becomes the like power rangers at times as well wow. with some silly fights but there's there's just so much going on in here and the kids just want it to be a kids movie and the alien wants to kill everybody and destroy the earth <laughs> yeah i wrote there's a couple of spots here where the, the creature which they named psycho Gorman, where uh, they ask him do you have a name and he says no name will encompass my dark will my enemies refer to me as the archduke of nightmares and the little girl just 
says, well, that sucks. And, and we're going to give you a new name. And so they call him Psycho Goreman. And, and the, the film is filled with, you know, the monster is speaking in his deep, scary monster voice saying, I, I will drink your screams and bathe in your blood. And the kids are just like, yeah, okay, boring. And they just want to play games with it. And and there's there's just a lot of fun. I'm not sure if you've heard anything about it at all other than... And it's one I've been meaning to see because there's a real kind of, you know, already a cult film movement for this one. And I, I remember when it, it's kind of showed up in Saskatoon with the Broadway theater and showed up there and I didn't know what it was. And then suddenly it was kind of a, I, I would, I don't know if it's on a streaming service, but I've also kind of seen it around in um, like Sunrise Records, stores like that. Yeah. I've been kind of waiting to sort of see if I want to buy it or if I want to check it out first. And so this sounds like, it sounds like a lot of fun. It, I believe it's still on Shutter. If you want to check it out, if you have Shutter. It, it was on there. I, I believe it still is. I'll probably find it there. Another thing with, you know, going back to the cover, how it grabbed you is uh, it's got a slip cover. And on the back, the description of the movie says one thing and it describes it as this uh, this intergalactic, scary monster movie. But if you open it up and look on the, the inside, the Blu-ray, the cover right up totally describes it as a family-friendly kids movie where they're teaching this alien about the power of love and friendship. So it depends which cover you read. You don't know what you're getting into and you kind of get both. And it's really strange. And and uh, I've never seen something quite like this, which, you know, when he keeps saying, you know, I'll make you beg for mercy and you will only receive pain. And they said, okay, knock, knock. And they would do not, why are you saying knock, knock? And, you know, he tells his origin story about the battles from galaxies across the universe. And they say, oh, that boring, dumb story made me tired. And they're just, it's funny because the kids are completely unimpressed or never intimidated by this creature, but he does, he does kill a lot of people in yeah. very delicious ways. Yeah. Uh, there's a father in this movie who is a joy because he's just the most clueless dad and he's just an idiot mm -hmm. and his feelings are all hurt because his wife's mad at him for wrecking the microwave and i made dinner for my family a thank you would be fine with i i, I can't praise this movie enough i had such a great time watching psycho gore man and it's you have me sold on this it, it's one where I, I was surprised because i think i got it at sunrise and uh, now i find it's people are selling it for you know a hundred plus dollars it's it's now yeah. it's out of print i believe uh which is it, well, uh, yeah i think so and i think i think i paid 22 for it when i got it so yeah that's, uh, i'm that's quite happy with it deal. yeah i'm gonna have to check it out but i'll i'll get my hands on a copy of it or or see it through the evil streaming services and might i might have to do it that way so well and kind of touching on your uh, your Twitter feedback, I posted this on Instagram, and I think uh, somebody, I think the, produ the production company, I can't remember who it was, but somebody actually, you know, put a comment on it, say, "Hey, glad you liked it," and yeah. you know, I said, uh, "Yeah, hey, I want to see more of, uh, I want to see more of the Psycho Gorman." They say, "Yeah, sequels on its way," so I guess they're they're working on a sequel. So, so if you yeah, want I more, I think it was enough of a success story that there would be there would be a sequel, probably a franchise on its way there. That might make the. Uh, the movie a little bit easier to get a hold of when the second one comes out. It could, yeah. My my number one is a less interesting choice than yours, but I think you'll understand why I picked it. Just honestly, one of my favorite horror movies of all time, very high up on my favorite of the 90s. It was on the day based on a book, and I okay. uh, with Rob Reiner's Misery. You almost died. You have a compound fracture of the tibia in both legs and the fibula in the right leg is fractured too and as soon as the roads open i'll take you to a hospital in the meantime you've got a lot of recovering to do there is nothing to worry about you're gonna be just fine i'm your number one fan 
My name is Annie Wilkes. I think one of my clients, Paul Sheldon, might be in some kind of trouble. You mean Paul Sheldon, the writer? Well, everybody sure likes those misery books. They had it at the store, Paul. They said he checked out last Tuesday. Isn't that a little strange? I guess it was kind of a miracle you finding me. In a way, I was following you. You were following me? Oh, Paul, I've read everything of yours, but the misery novels. You must be a good man, or you could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery Chastain. Very kind. The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon is dead. You dirty bird. How could you? Misery Chastain cannot be dead. Misery spirit is still alive. I don't want her spirit! I want her! And you murdered her! You don't think he's dead, do you? And don't even think about anybody coming for you because I never called them. Nobody knows you're here. And you better hope nothing happens to me. Because if I die, you die. I know you've been out. Is this what you're looking for? Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Annie, whatever you're thinking about doing, please don't do it. Annie, for God's sake. Shh, darling. Trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. God, I love you. Starring Kathy Bates in her Oscar-winning role, and James Caan is so good and it was just a writer's nightmare that that stalker that just the wrong fan happens to you know imprison you in her home and uh, i i know that you know the screenplay by william goldman is quite different in places than the novel by stephen king yeah i think the heart of it is very mm-hmm. faithful to the book oh it is and, yeah yeah and just that the additions to it are really welcome i, I like uh, francis sternhagen and richard farnsworth as that sheriff that uh, that older couple and richard farnsworth it's all this was years before fargo came out six years before fargo came out but when he kind of is is seeing what's happening you you see the wheels turning that oh something's not right here and he knows something is is not right with this situation and he's trying to figure it out and uh, i think it's like it's a really really good performance by him as well even though that section was kind of invented for the movie but but nothing beats that one-two punch of uh, james con and and kathy bates I watched it a lot and it, i was maybe unfair to it was just kind of a convenient one for me to watch that day and i, I kind of knew that that one would be probably if i was compiling some sort of a best of that would be it yeah, yeah i love misery yeah I, I recall you posting that when I, I watched that on the same day actually that was my follow-up to nosferatu i watched misery and it's, it's still magnificently acted i'm amazed by it always because when you think about it the, the film is two people really in and three quarters of the film takes place in one room you know yeah. in a bedroom with a bed and a desk uh, most of the movie is in there and never at any point are you bored uh, oh. you're just capped and and james con has to do his whole acting laying in a bed or, or sometimes sitting on a chair in a wheelchair yeah. but uh for for them to do what they do given these restraints i think is it's amazing con's performance is kind of underrated actually i think and i totally agree that kathy bates and at that point she was 
you know, I'm maybe a theater actor, but she wasn't, yeah, she wasn't as known as she is now. So people were just wowed by where did she come from type of thing. I think when it came out, but Khan has a very difficult role. And no matter how many times I see it, there's those, those scenes early on where he gets out of the room and he's kind of, you know, exploring the house and trying to figure out what's going on and if there's kind of a way to escape. And she's coming back and, and he's trying to get back there. Still, my, my heart's in my chest. <laughs> you know, go, go. How many times and I know how the scene turns out? You know, the climax of the film is very violent and that there are, there is some blood and guts here. It's not a splatter movie. It's not like a slasher film, but you know, it works psychologically and it works so many different ways. And directed by comedy legend Rob Reiner. I know. Who, who, who knew? <laughs> he, he's yeah. good with Stephen King material, even though Stand By Me was quite a different number than Misery was, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like like you, I've seen this film a number of times as well. And and I kind of almost sometimes forget how impressive this is and, and how yeah. it makes me feel after. You know, I forget. I pick it up off the shelf saying, Misery, oh, that's that movie where the guy lays in bed the whole thing and say, I don't know, I really feel like watching that. Then I put it in and say, oh, no, it's so much. This is... Oh, it's yeah. great. And just keeping that, I never really thought about that, but this viewing in the back of my mind, I was just kind of being more aware of, you know, what you can do. You have to do some things with the camera. You can't do crazy camera tricks in a movie like this. Uh, you're focusing on faces for the most part. And, uh, and Kathy Bates, the way she delivers her lines is so, it, when you start realizing she's a little off center, she's not <laughs> the, the happy, friendly nurse she appears to be, you get a little, uh, a little unnerved with her, you know, with her <laughs> awkward, improper use of foul language. Mm-hmm. You know, go get me some bitching cow feed or, <laughs> there's a point now where I was really watching closely. There's this point. This is another subtle way that James Caan is so good in the movie. There's this one point where finally he, he, he kind of realizes, oh, this person isn't right. And he conveys that, but he can't show it too deliberately. Mm-hmm. But you just see it in his in his eyes. And it's just this nonverbal moment is like, I am in deep trouble here. And it's just abject terror at that point. And like Reiner did a lot of good things with those point of view shots where we're kind of seeing what he sees from the bed and Kathy Bates like coming towards us. And it's a classic and I think it's a classic for a reason. Maybe unfair compared to like some of the more independent and first watch movies here. But I think I I did kind of did a good job of uh, featuring some classics as well as some new ones for for people to check out. Hitting all the bases. Uh, And and, you know, there's all, you got to mention that the scene of misery uh, you know there's that scene <laughs> the hobbling and and i watched this with my son who's you know he's uh he's 19 now so he's allowed to watch these films but uh, it's still uh, when that scene comes on and she whacks his foot my son i've seen this a number of times i wanted to see my son's reaction to it and he went he was like oh and the yeah. funny part was then she goes to the other foot and does it again and you don't see it you see it a split second for the first foot but you don't see it for the second one you see james Conn's face reaction and my son winced even harder for the second one yeah you know the second he's like oh yeah. and it's like, because it shows you just enough and now we're going to do the second one you're going to see his face during it and for whatever reason on a first viewing i've realized that that hit him harder so applause all around for for misery so we we agreed uh to go with the about five honorable mentions and so i'll let you uh, bring up your five first okay yeah i won't dwell much on them i'll just kind of give a sentence here or, or two but uh right off the bat i mean uh misery was i wanted to mention misery so I'm, I'm glad you did i thought just in case he doesn't i'll give it an honorable mention just because uh how, how good it is i spent one day i guess it was a tribute to brad Dourif one day and uh, i kind of got uh, i went on a little chucky marathon so it would be weird if i watched four chucky movies in one day to not mention one of them so uh, i'll just give a shout out to curse of chucky was the one i wanted to bring
paying attention to. I didn't watch the first one or the first two I seen, I feel like I've seen the most. And so I thought, let's start on Child's Play 3. And I watched 3 and then Bride and then Seed and then Curse of Chucky. And I guess watching them all together, I was so impressed with uh, after you know, Child's Play 3 was a, a horror sequel and Bride got a little bit comedic. And I really am a fan of Bride of Chucky. Ch- Seed of Chucky just went full comedy at that point, which, you know, I still kind of like the movie, but Curse of Chucky, they said, let's be a horror movie again and let's make Chucky a scary idea. And I kind of forgotten, I guess, yeah, how, how well they did with that. So I was surprised with how much I kind of uh, had fun with revisiting that particular chapter. So just shout out to Curse of Chucky. Um, I wanted to mention uh, the last film that I watched this October. I watched Halloween 3 with my daughter, Season of the Witch, which uh, I would, I just want to say, I feel like this movie gets better every year. I was not a fan of it when it was a current movie. Nobody was. We wanted more Michael Myers. And I boycotted this movie like I did not even want to see it. And then I thought, no, I hate this movie. He said, I've never seen it. And then, you know, and then I finally watched it. I said, this is weird. This is, but I think it's such an 80s movie that it was almost too 80s to be in the 80s. <laughs> but now now looking back on it we can appreciate it by saying man this is such an 80s movie it's so crazy and zany Uh, you know it's and it's darker than any of the other halloween movies they want to kill all the children in in the whole united states that's that's fairly dark the thing i liked watching it with my daughter is she said that she really liked it and that's where i thought wow really she was yeah that was because i watched a handful of movies with her as well and she said that was one of her favorite ones that she watched all month with me and Mm -hmm. so i thought oh that's cool because a lot in that silver shamrock tune was uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's a, a catchy song, isn't it? I yeah, I I think I had a similar reaction to, to most of the world. For I spent many years thinking this was the worst of the Halloween franchise, and I. I I didn't see Resurrection right away when I was trying to skirt around it, but Resurrection to me is just so awful. The revisiting, this is where I, when I was talking about with Halloween Kills, that after they give it some time, they come back to the movie and yeah. realize oh, this is way better than we we thought it was initially. And Halloween 3 is exhibit A in that, uh, in that argument. It's just fun. It's entertaining. It isn't a Michael Myers movie, but if you can sort of get past that. Well, it's the, weird because Michael Myers is in the movie, but uh, he's in the movie because he's on tv they're watching the actual halloween movie which is it's strange because halloween is a thing but it's a movie that and you're right there is kind of a halloween 3 resurgence coming on now where people say no i've always liked this movie and they say no you didn't always like it but it's okay we didn't like it but now we get it now we like it but uh, jump on the bandwagon just admit (laughs) you're jumping on the bandwagon i mean that's fine or if you want to admit you were wrong i'm now at the age too where i can go back and my initial judgments on some movies i can go back and say back then i didn't like it i feel like right now I was wrong about that and that's what the podcast has been for me is having the chance to revisit some movies some movies that I, I thought were the greatest and like weird science and then some others that I was just like this is garbage and I watch it and no it's not garbage this is actually you know quite good and, and entertaining and fun and fun's okay it's okay to have fun with movies they don't all have to be heavy throughout the 90s I was more into like the heavy really dramatic right. films and now I've kind of softened on that a little bit and I think with Halloween 3 I think I was trying to not like it back then I, I've made my mind up before I seen it saying I'm not going to like this because it's not what I want it to be you know and people say maybe if it was just called season of the witch or the silver shamrocks whatever yeah. maybe it would have been better very possibly but at any rate I, I enjoyed it didn't uh, do you have any, any comments on the curse of Chucky at all or I need to sort of revisit that one I watched yeah. seed of Chucky that day which ultimately not a fan of part of it is I don't mind it's it, 
Yeah, it's weird. It is meta. And we were kind of in the age of post-Scream, the meta horror movie and franchises trying to be meta a little bit. But I, I think it's maybe a little bit too much. I mean, I admire Jennifer Tilly. Like she has some, um, obviously, no issues with like the stuff she has to say and she has to do in that movie. Uh, yeah, and the portrayal good. of her playing herself. So I kind of admire that piece of it. I found it I found it very believable, her playing Jennifer Tilly. I think she pulled that off really yeah, well. Yeah, she did a good job with, with that. But the way she kind of makes fun of her image and you know she's kind of past her prime trying to sleep her way into to roles and <laughs> yeah. rappers directing these serious movies about biblical epics about the uh she wants to play the virgin mary all that yeah. stuff's quite good but i found as far as like the horror and the payoff and you know the movie just kind of ended yeah. so i have to revisit curse getting back to curse re- revisit curse and kind of see how i feel about it but i i think i a mix or a balance of the comedy and the horror this is one where the comedy took over a little bit i think bride of chucky had the best balance of horror and comedy of, of the franchise yeah. but curse getting back to kind of the more scary serious chucky i think was was a good move and i think with the new chucky series that's out now i haven't started that yet i kind of wanted to refresh my memory because from what i understand it follows it's it's canon with with the movie so i I kind of wanted to revisit the ones I've not seen as much. So that's kind of why I went back to you see the remake. I haven't of, seen the remake yet. I, I haven't. No, no. And that's no. its own kind of character. Right. So I had two more shout outs to do. And one of the, uh, I really had to mention Chris Wallace, the special effects guy to tribute him. I watched the fly and, and man, and the fly from what is it? 86. I think it was great movie. Again, I, I wanted, I really wanted to put it in my top 10 because yeah. what he does with those effects, it's the ickiest of any movie I watched all month. Like definitely, the ick factors at like 20 out of 10 and that fly creature is jeff goldblum transforms it is so disgusting i think what i noticed this time is watching it with my daughter joining me for this one because she she likes jeff goldblum she thinks jeff goldblum's just a you know, kind of a fun guy to watch on screen so i said okay well let's let's see if you like this watching it with her i seen it i felt it was a lot slower than i remember it I, i'm not talking bad about yeah, the fly i i love the fly but i can yeah. see from a younger audience it was kind of a quiet film and it slowly builds and i think she wanted a little bit more she wasn't as impressed with it as I kind of was hoping she was. But then again, she loves Halloween 3. So, so what can you say? Yeah. The Fly is, is a great movie and I really liked revisiting that. I, I um, don't think she's ready for Midsummer then. No, no, I don't think that would hit her yet. Why's <laughs> a, a Jerry Bruckheimer produced Michael Bay film compared to Midsummer? No, when you said the fly there, I thought, oh yeah, yeah, I'm surprised that's not higher in the list. But yeah, that that your explanation for it makes sense. Just as far as re- revisiting it, and also yeah. going to point out some other movies, maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and it was one where I I just I enjoyed it because it's the fly, and the fly is the fly. I guess it just I, I watched it again and smiled and nodded, and it, and it was what it's always going to be for me. I guess the others just surprised me with how much they hit and the last one i, I wanted to show was uh, i love this film this was i wanted to put this in the top 10 with your next oh i haven't watched that i've heard it's great your next is it starts out like uh you think it's gonna be a home invasion type mm-hmm. thriller movie and and it kind of is but it flips it over on its ear and there's humor in it that and that's what i had forgotten is how much humor there was in it and how well the humor works so that your next i think is a terrific film i recommend that to anybody that i can it, it really should have been in my top 10 because 
uh, I had a blast revisiting that film again. I know somebody was talking to me, cousin of mine once uh, was asking me for a good horror film to watch. And I said, well, that's kind of vague. Give me like, what, what do you like? Do you like werewolves? Do you like uh, slashers or, you know, what do you like? So she gave me a list. Well, I like these five movies, I like movies about this and, uh, you know, and home invasion. And she's and strangers was my favorite movie of all time. And I like it to be sort of fun. I said, okay, well, you know what? Have you seen your next? And she said, no. I said, okay, that's the next movie to watch. And she watched that and said, that was great. I loved it. Give me more. But your next is a, is a great time. No excuse. I've heard about it for years and I just, I don't know why I haven't seen it at this point. I definitely need to, to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah do that. It in Cycle Gorman, as far as like ones that uh, you're mentioning that I haven't seen, I'll have to get on that. That's what I have for my five. So my five there, as far as horror Westerns, I saw Brimstone, a bleak film directed by Martin Kuhlhoven, features Dakota Fanning and Guy Pierce, and really kind of a cool narrative style as far as it you know it tells this story of uh, this this woman who is mute and, but she has this family and then this preacher comes into town and decides to destroy her entire life seems to have a kind of a bit of a supernatural quality to it and then we go back and each of these chapters kind of goes back and we get the lead into everything that happened and as far as what this relationship is and it's kind of unexpected it's brutal I I, I might argue that's a little bit more western than it is horror and I, I wasn't completely sure going in because I hadn't seen it I didn't know enough but it is such a dark disturbing film and there's just as, as far as people not being safe and what Guy Pierce, because uh, he was in another movie where he was the protagonist that I saw in the morning, and in the evening he was just this this nasty villain, and so it kind of goes into the realms of religious horror as well. It's one to check out, but again, it's it's a little bit like The Vanishing. I mean, you're not going to be walking away with a good feeling in your stomach after it. I have well, heard I, of I, this one, on. and and from what I understand, it it's. Uh, people say it's it's uh, pretty brutal, a, a tough watch where it's it's not it a happy. <laughs> you're not going to go and yeah. skip rope after, but no, no, it's not. It's, again, I, I keep mentioning Demon Knight or Return of the Living Dead or something like that. As far as watch an episode of The Simpsons just to cheer you up, and yeah, watch The Simpsons or <laughs> go play with a puppy or something afterwards. <laughs> uh, I don't know what like with this particular section. Another really kind of bleak one, interesting uh, zombie film from Australia called Cargo, directed by two directors, Ben. Howling and Yolanda Remke and starring wonderful British actor Martin Freeman and yeah it's a bit of a survival piece where Martin Freeman and his wife are are trying to survive the zombie apocalypse with uh, their baby but then they run into all kinds of problems and I, I don't I, I hate to spoil too much of it in some ways but the things that happen to Martin Freeman puts him in a really really tough position as he's trying to do everything to save his child and there's also a uh uh, Aborigine young young man who's, who's kind of gone through a similar thing where his father has been turned and was trying to kind of help his father keep his father alive somehow. And Simone Launders, I might be mispronouncing that name, plays uh, Thormy in there. And it's just this wonderful support. I haven't seen this guy in anything else, but this wonderful supporting role too. And he's right there with Martin Freeman and they are trying to survive. And of course, in any zombie film, the worst villains are other human 
human beings and we see that yeah. in, in places too but if you're looking for something that's not happy but if you're looking for something that is a different take on zombies when there's so many zombie movies out there it's worth checking out I, it was two movies in a row that day there's something about that that particular day that was the 2010 horrors i watched two in a row that actually caused me some emotional feelings and there's there's some kind of not in a melodramatic way but some uh choking back your tears moments no, and yeah. this, another there was another one that might have made this list if they hadn't have had a like a really goofy blooper reel at the end which kind of lessened everything that all the good that had been done for the previous 90 minutes a movie called final girls which has okay. a kind of payoff like that but cargo doesn't have anything kind of goofy like that in there so it's on netflix it's worth checking out my next one deep star six directed by sean s cunningham ah. this was on like chris wallace day it's, it's funny how how close it is to the abyss yeah they came out the same year but I, I just had a good time with it it's about like naval underwater researchers and uh they have this missile that potentially they're going to shoot off but they discover this creature on the water that gets in and and attacks the crew and we've seen this type of movie before but it's so entertaining and so much fun and big kills in there miguel ferrera plays another character who does all of the wrong things but somehow we don't mind it because there's something about that actor that where you you, you like him no matter what movie he's in so yeah, I, I caught that one as well same same uh same day actually double featured yeah. that with the fly and yeah. uh going back yeah that was another one of uh our friend larry's uh guilty pleasure favorites and and it was very i couldn't remember that movie at all when we were talking about it on on his show and then i found a copy of it actually uh, a guy actually sold it to me for free he said like oh. uh, hey how much you want for that he says just take it <laughs> so i thought oh wow. it's that good so uh and i put it on and i for whatever reason when in that era there was a lot of underwater monster movies that came out yeah. and and i wasn't big on that yet i liked alien and i liked outer space creature oh. features but it, it's essentially the same idea it's just underwater is outer space really for us yeah. so but yeah i just put it on it yeah steve minor directed that right as well uh, no no it's sean so, sorry right yeah the friday the 13th guy but uh definitely the same kind of a lot of the music sounded like friday the 13th kind of music as well and it just hit a lot of those beats as, as a monster movie it when it became a monster movie which for me it took a little while to become that but when it became that yeah it was a lot of fun i mean i like the cast i thought he kind of technically well it'll, it'll never be the classic the friday the 13th is as a filmmaker i thought kind of in the nine years between those two films i think technically he became a stronger filmmaker it, it didn't feel like an independent movie as as much as friday the 13th felt like the original one felt like an independent movie that brought a bunch of ideas and just hit gold with with, with what they were doing and i like it a lot i, I don't know are you still kind of a bit mixed on it no i i liked it i wasn't sure what i was getting into as soon as we're when we're talking about guilty pleasure type movies those are usually my favorite someone says like this movie i really like it and i feel like no one else does and i feel like it's maybe not that good and it's kind of silly but it's got a cool monster it's like okay yeah i'm into that i'll check it out i'll, I'll trust you usually hasn't strayed me wrong too many times no I, I definitely dug it i was surprised with how much i enjoyed it i i, I don't feel that guilty with that one for some reason i, I don't I like yeah it a lot. i mean there, there's times where it's kind of silly but but no i i go with it my next one is uh the, you mentioned some older films black and white films which is good house on haunted hill directed by william castle uh, on Vincent price day i i guess you know the only drawback to me putting it in kind of the top 10 was i, I kept thinking about like shirley jackson's the haunting and the 1963 film which is kind of a le less goofy less maybe less fun but more of a straight up 
horror as far as a haunted house film. This one has some fun to it. Vincent Price, I mean, he never completely disappears from a role, but he's he, he's quite good in it. Like what he does, it plays to yeah. all of his strengths. And so I had a lot of fun with that. That was pretty early in the month. I think it was even the second day that, that I yeah. watched it. And it, it's one I was kind of back and forth is, is this number 10 on my list or is it a runner up? And I, I, I kind of went with it as a runner up because I there's just some other ones I wanted to feature a little bit more and maybe had a little a little bit more fun with and yeah I think the only drawback is I was uh, comparing it a little bit too much to a film that came chronologically a few years later and was a less cartoonish horror movie and I think I've seen this story many times and the whole spend a night in the haunted house to win some money you know whether it's in this movie or whether it's on I think Scooby-Doo or or Flintstones had it the Flintstones yeah that's right so I think this might be the first time I've actually sat and watched this movie in its entirety you know paying attention to it because you know I wasn't going to watch that when I was a kid because it's it's black and white and it's old and I don't appreciate it yet but going back now like it's a pleasure to see Vincent Price in these kinds of roles though his line delivery is he's so iconic just our guests are here and unfortunately still alive and his the bickering he would have with his wife was just it was kind of it was funny too and uh, I'm trying to find the name on IMDb here I think it was Caroline Caroline Craig uh, who played Nora great screamer that's one thing I I remember that from she was one of the best screamers of the 31 days uh, and there was a lot of screamers pretty good and it's funny going through the cast skeleton played the role of skeleton that's awesome <laughs> there was also a and I, i'm just trying to think why i've seen this actor maybe he was in tv at that time or some other movies with this name i had to look it up alicia cook jr he's plays watson pritchard he's the one who has uh, the drinking problem okay actor, he looks so familiar to me. I, I liked him in the role and he's the one who's kind of warning them this is yeah. not a good place there are bad things here nobody's taking him seriously because oh he's he drinks too much you got a kick out of that uh, that character as well yeah the movies from that are different it's kind of funny because uh, there's a lot of narration which we don't get now and you know a lot of a floating head telling you the story and introducing this is uh watson pritchard he's you know and then tells his backstory now this is nora manning she's here with this is her story but that's that's one thing that definitely identifies it with being in a 50s film yeah. one thing I, I do want to get around to now having seen this freshly is uh, there's a a riff tracks version of this movie where they do it you know comedic commentary over it you can find that on like uh streaming on tubi and, and those kind of services i, I know i flagged that so I, I definitely want to check that out now and one more another nasty one and two of the my darker nastier ones were from that western horror day but saw ravenous uh directed by antonia bird and this is where guy pierce is the guy that we're kind of cheering for he's a soldier who's essentially been proven to be a bit of a coward he gets sent off to california to this kind of end of the world detail. Jeffrey Jones is there as kind of like the head guy. And this is maybe the last role he had before all those allegations came out about, oh, about him and years before any other celebrities kind of lost their careers. But the movie, you know, lots of interesting, colorful faces in there. But the movie comes down to Guy Pierce versus Robert Carlyle. And, you know, if you haven't seen it, when you first see Robert Carlyle, he seems like one thing. But then, of course, he becomes something different. It's a really great performance from him. I mean, I've been a fan of his ever since I first saw Train Spotting, and this is a really like a multi multi dimensional role, and I think he kind of steals the movie away as good as Guy Pearce and some of the others are. I still can't. I have to rewatch it, figure out what David Arquette is doing in that movie. It's <laughs> just so out there, and he's kind of insane or something, isn't he? Or yeah, or, just... or I don't know. He's just there's something something not right about him, and that's how they kind of treat him. But why he took that role at the time, I'm not quite sure just i don't know it was you know i'm glad he's in there i mean it's an identifiable face but I, i'm not sure it was the most
animals. It's a little bit yeah. of a thankless role. If you have any issues with even the thought of cannibalism, then maybe it's not the movie for you. But as far as pure horror, maybe if it had been just all dark movies on my top 10, it might have made it there. But there were a few others I had a little bit more fun with than Ravenous. And then I guess that, that was the difference. There's some great lines in that film too. <laughs> it's lonely being a cannibal. Tough making friends. The movie definitely did have a, a sense of humor as well. If you uh, if you looked yeah. for it. It's very dark humor, but it's there for sure. Well, I think that's that. I mean, we, we watched a lot more than the, you know, the 15 we each mentioned. We had a little bit of overlap. Thank you so much for, first of all, inviting me to be part of that 31 Days of Horror Challenge and then uh, be willing to come back on here and talk about our favorite. Oh, absolutely. Know. If you're down for torturing yourself again next October, let me know. And I'm wondering if I can do the... I, I'm not going to try to top 50 movies. I don't think I can, like you said, I don't think I have that in me, but I was just so, okay, I'm on this train. It's a, it's a fast yeah. moving train and I just need to, to ride it out till November the 1st. I had fun with it. So. Yeah, maybe next time you do one a day and then watch a rom-com to clean your palate after. <laughs> yeah. Or something else, even an action movie. Before we go here, uh, we obviously both want to shout out Rank and Review, Larry Parsons podcast. You've known Larry since forever and I've known him since the university days. He got me onto podcasting. Also, uh, uh, Lifetime of Hallmark is a friendly podcast to the show, and also Film Feast, Matt Bledsoe's show, too, that I think you might enjoy listening to that. He does different things. It's not kind of the same thing every episode. So I just wanted to yeah. shout those ones out here before we, we go, and thanks again, Scott, for being on. And to the listeners, I just want to also say keep being kind to one another and continue to be safe as we uh, try to get our, our lives normalized, whatever that means. Whatever that means, yeah. We're not quite there yet. And hopefully, Scott, this won't be the last time we hear from you on uh, the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. 